Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. All right, a Tuesday morning. It's a college football tradition this time of year. We hear from all the coaches, the Aggies, the Utes, the Cougars, Blake Anderson, Kalani Sataki, and Kyle Whittingham. We're going to start with Blake Anderson. PK and I spoke to him at 9.30 yesterday morning, late in the show for you early risers. Here's the guy who won his first game as the Utah State head coach, coming off a one-win season as a 17-and-a-half-point road underdog. They go to Pullman and beat Washington State, and they were down 23-11 midway through the fourth quarter, and they got the touchdown, got the punt, got the ball back, and went and scored another touchdown right at the end of the game to win it. Here's Blake Anderson with PK and I. Coach, good morning. Good morning. Congratulations. Well, I appreciate that. It was a fun night. Your uh, sports information staff sends out an email with a list of superlatives and notes after the game, and they noted that this is the first road win ever over the Pac-12 and the first time an Aggie coach has won their first game since uh, 1973. It's been 48 years. And watching that game unfold, I'm curious – where well, your guys got the belief, because midway through the fourth quarter, you needed a touchdown, and you didn't have one in the game. You needed to stop either a punt or a turnover. They'd scored on all three possessions in the second half. And then you needed another touchdown, and that's exactly what happened. Touchdown, punt, touchdown. Where did they get the belief to pull that off in your first game? You got no history with them. The team won one game last year. How did that happen? You know, it's exactly what I told them it was going to happen. It's, it's the exact game plan we had put in place. Just, uh, you know, really, we, we, we just believed we have to get it to the fourth quarter. We, we felt like that um, that if we could keep it close, that if we could just kind of stay within reach, if we get it to the fourth quarter, that our style of play and our conditioning was going was gonna to take over. And... Um, as you watch the tape, that's exactly what happened. And our kids believed in that. We've worked extremely hard to to get to a point where we feel like we can run and outrun people for 60 minutes. It's been grueling to this point. They have uh, accepted it and worked extremely hard and bought in. And I told them before the game that it's going to be a close game at halftime. doesn't matter if we're 14 down. Don't panic. If we get to a point where we're within reach in the fourth quarter, we will outrun them to the ball. We will start moving people up front better than we were in the first half, and we'll uh, we'll get ourselves back in the game, and guys will be there when it matters. And if you watch the tape, they just continued to outplay them. They just continued to hustle. And, and we made some plays late that mattered enough to, to win the game. So uh, it, it, was, it was a lot of fun to see those guys – do what we've asked, buy in the way they did, and play with the effort level that they did. That is that is a great foundation for what we're trying to build. So you do realize now that you won the first game, if you don't go 10-2, and two, you underachieved, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, you know, that's the thing about this particular game. You know, however, man, I'm glad you did the math on how many years because I, I had no idea. I just know it was a long time. Um yeah, if you don't win the next one and if you don't you don't build on it, then then you just look back and say it was a fluke, and, it, and it's not. I mean, the kids are working. Uh, we, we did not play our best ball. We made a lot of mistakes, but we played hard. And, and the kids um, really, really tried to do things the way we we're asking them to do it. And so you're right, man. If you you got to go keep winning. you got to build. Everyone becomes more important 
when you win a game like that, and, and that's what we want in the building. We want the kids to expect that. We want the we want the fans to expect that. So I'm curious. You had uh, you know had just some questions about different positions, including quarterback. Uh, did those all get squared away and just sort itself out there in the first game? Or are you still uh, questioning some stuff going into the second game? Well, we're still we're going to be detailed about it and, and really research it before we do anything. Obviously, both guys played well in their own in their own way. Uh, we did finish up with Bonner late. Just and people have asked why. Just experience. I mean, the guy's been been in that kind of situation a bunch and and, and come through. And he did uh, in flying colors. Uh, on Saturday night, but uh, not going to jump to any conclusions. I told them before we started this process that it wasn't going to be, you know, one play or a stat line. That it was going to be the the overall picture. But uh, I was pleased with both. They both made mistakes that could have hurt us. Ball on the ground with Peasley and, and, and a, a throw that uh, shouldn't have been put in the air from from Bonner. That that both created turnovers, and those are things we got to fight. We could have, you know, we could have really just put ourselves in a position where we had no chance. So those are we're, – we're not a finished product by any means. But um, at that position, um, we definitely want to settle on one guy sooner rather than later, uh, but have not made that final decision as of yet. Now, I was interested to see what you did at the quarterback position when Bonner put that ball up for grabs towards the end of the first half. I uh, saw how you would play it in the second half. In your mind, as you entered the game and then as the game began, as far as the quarterback rotation, was it a set thing or were you going by feel to make the change as you saw fit during the game or did you have it planned? No, we, we told them we were going to alternate series. Wanted them to be prepared and, and didn't want them guessing on who's going next or what we we felt like both had done enough work coming into the game to deserve that opportunity. Uh, didn't make the change until late, just based off how the game was going, and 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 really just leaning on Bonner's experience. I mean, he's had twenty something games under his belt and and been in that situation just so many more times than than Peasley has. So uh, that was really the decision there. But they knew all along we're going to alternate series regardless of the circumstance and and play you guys. So. That just mentally they could be prepared for exactly what to what was coming. The thing that seems like a no doubter is uh, Tompkins is the guy. Uh, on the next last drive, he had the reverse that got you first and goal, and then on the game winning drive, two catches for first downs, and then the touchdown. You knew where you wanted to go. They probably knew where you wanted to go, and you were able to go there anyway. Yeah, I thought we did a good job spreading the ball around, but he, but he just he's one of those guys in space that you always have to account for. Uh, you know, I think he had 10 touches, but but both McGriff and, and Derek Wright had eight, nine cut touches as well, got the ball to the backs. We've always put a premium on spreading the ball around. We don't want you to just be able to isolate on one guy. But you're, you're right, certain guys just stand out. And his ability to play in space, his speed, I mean, the reverse looked good, but it, it got ugly real quick, you know, just from pursuit. And he had the extra gear to get around the edge and make what could have been, you know, maybe a two, three yard gain into an explosive and got us down there to, to be able to score. Um, you know, he's, he's dynamic really in every area. You just get him the ball. It's really tough for the first guy to get him down. Just talking to BYU coaches after they played Arizona, and obviously they were down last year and entered the game on a 12-game losing streak. And one of them told me, he said, the transfer portal has just been a game changer and to the point where – 
last year, depending on who you bring in and what positions you fortify through the transfer portal, that it doesn't even matter what you did last year. Uh, did, did you see that as far as what you're trying to build here quickly at Utah State? Because obviously you had high-profile transfers come in and play and play significant roles that they can make a difference immediately. So it doesn't matter what last year was. Well, it definitely has made an impact. I mean, I, but it, but you watch. There's a lot of guys that were on that team last year that played. You know, just played lights out. I mean, Nick Hanager had an unbelievable game from sideline to sideline, chasing the ball. And, uh, that old line. I mean, there's there's a transfer up there, but there's a lot of guys that have been here before. Bannerman, Marcus Moore. I mean, there's a lot of guys. Uh, I, I'm pleased with how all the transfers came in and helped us. Calvin Tyler and. And, you know, Bonner and, and Justin Rice and guys, you know, Bolden, there's a bunch of great transfers that it came in and, and helped us in a big way. But but this is a great mixture. Uh, the Just the way the previous uh, players have accepted us and, and, and just gone out and set the bar for effort and attitude, it, it's been a great mixture. And we've utilized both, uh, building on the foundation of guys that have been here for a long time, but also bringing in some key guys that all – are contributing in, in in different ways, some more than others, but but we've been pleased with all the guys that we brought in at, at midterm and even in the summer. Everybody wants to get a game changer and, you know, the dominant player in the transfer portal, but the fact is those guys don't change teams often. They do sometimes, but not often. But I'm wondering how much the transfer portal is helping coaches plug holes where the other team can just pick at a weakness, pick at a weakness, and you can upgrade that. And the guy may not be a world beater, but if he's better than the one you had, that can make everybody better because that's the one place that breakdowns keep happening. Yeah, no, it, it is, it's been key. I, I don't know. As you look at the end of the season, I don't know that uh, you know how many of these guys are going to be all conference type players or, or have you know tremendously high stat lines. But you're you're right, a guy that can come in, even if he's a he's a two, he's a role player that plays you know a lot more than he would have played at a previous school. Just uh, a different depth chart, a different environment, maybe just a fresh start. Uh, some of these guys were young and immature and 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 just didn't fit in, and, and now they see things differently in a new culture so we've got all kinds we've got guys that are standing out there uh that that are feature players that transferred but we've also got some other guys in the in the program that are their roles are just a little bit different but just as important because you're not going to just play with 11 i mean you're playing you're playing at least two deep if not three deep on defense uh almost the entire game to play the way we play uh, as i said we're spreading the ball around to a bunch of different guys on offense and playing at a fast tempo which means you typically have to play more guys uh, whether you're the starter or you're the role player, all those guys are going to help us win. It's a long season. I mean, attrition happens. Guys do get hurt. Who knows who has to step into a key role? As you progress through this quarterback competition, could you see a situation where if you go with Bonner, you still have Peasley having an active role because you look at him against Washington State and obviously, he, I mean, he wasn't bad throwing, but averaging 10 yards a carry, almost 11 yards a carry on four carries from with him moving the ball through his legs. Could you see a role for him doing that? Absolutely. Absolutely. That would be super easy for us to do. You know, Bonner is, is not a great runner, but he's efficient. But Peasley just has, uh, just has the ability to make guys miss and extend plays with his feet. It's what he does best. It's what intrigues you about him. But uh, whatever we end up deciding to do and, and just where we solidify it, and as I said, we are going to play 
with one quarterback this year, we're not going to continue this for, for very long. But I, I could see uh, both of those guys, if they were not the primary starter, having some kind of role on the team. They're just too valuable, and, and their skill sets are too unique. So we'll just kind of see how it progresses. Uh, I think we're close. We just want to make sure we are very thorough and very fair in the process so we, we move forward all on the same page. So the first win at the at a Pac-12 school, that's a big deal. The guys have got to feel great about the way they execute in the fourth quarter to make that happen and come from behind. Now you get North Dakota. How do you make sure the guys aren't riding too high thinking, oh, we got this? Because there's a long list of teams that got paid for money games that took the check and took the win last Saturday. Uh, no doubt. I mean, that's it. They were We were talking about it immediately following the game. The guys were talking about it on the way back. Uh, well, we're sitting there and during a media break, and the, the Washington-Montana uh, score comes up on the screen, as you can imagine how the crowd reacted to that. Uh, so you don't have to go very far to uh, to just look and see. You've got to respect every opponent, and you got to play your best. We made so many mistakes. we got a ton of things to fix anyway. I love that we're getting to play at home. Uh, I'm expecting a great crowd, especially after the win Saturday night. Hopefully that energizes the Valley and, and the Aggie fans come out. But uh, we're going to talk about it all week. I'm, I'm hoping and praying our guys respond and really just build on what we did and come out and play a much better football game. And, and uh, we absolutely understand what North Dakota is capable of. Watch them in the playoffs. They got a good, you know, they got a good early win this weekend. But and they went deep last year, and, and they've got a lot of guys back. They got a really, really good running back. We're gonna have to tackle well and play great ball to uh, to earn a win. Uh, and, and and I think I think our guys have paid attention, and we'll we'll keep talking about it and, and pushing it all week. I think based on what I knew of the Aggies following them last year, obviously we followed them for a number of years, is I felt like with Bonner coming in that you'd be able to throw the ball fairly well because I knew Tompkins is a good player and McGriff is good enough. So I thought you'd have success through the air. The thing that I was intrigued about that I was unsure about is your ability to run the ball. And I thought, what you get? You gained like 220 yards, I think, something close to that on the ground. To me, and you can, and you can comment on it, and uh, maybe I'm off base here, but I thought the most impressive thing offensively was your ability to run the ball. Well, I know this, and I've preached, you know, we preach it every day, and, and we preach it in the strength program that the ability to stop the run and run the ball is what how win, how you win games. All that we do with the spread system and slinging the ball around, it's fun and I love it. And, and, and you love getting the ball from sideline to sideline and clearly we we do spread the field as much as anybody but if you cannot run the ball, you, you really do not have a, a great chance to win competitive, you know, one possession, uh, tough football games and so we put a premium on it. You know, we're not real, real flashy in that area, but I thought we were very efficient. And in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter when we needed it, you know, being able to run the ball on third and six and get a first down, being able to run the ball from the four-yard line and get it in without having to put the ball in the air, uh, being you know, having the having the ability to push the pile for six, seven yards uh, late in the game, and and that's really that's exactly what we talked about. Runs that were two and three yards in the first half. We're going to turn into five and six, seven yards in the fourth quarter, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, but we, we have to be able to run the ball effectively. And, and it works really well. You, you mentioned Bonner being able to throw the ball. He did throw the ball well, and, and Peasley did it a, a, as well at times. It all works together. 
But if you, you're getting two yards of run, you know, it's going to be a really, really long night with a lot of coverage that you're looking at. Uh, we're going to keep trying to get better in that area. I was, I was really pleased at how we did against the big clock. Well, I think that's why that fourth down conversion with about a minute to go just short of midfield was such a big deal because your two-minute offense, quote-unquote, I'm making air quotes now, you, you were picking up two, three yards of play, and I'm thinking, there's only a minute left. They are never getting down the field. And I was starting to think, they might actually do this. And you convert the fourth down, and then all of a sudden, it was 7, 10, 12 yards after that. You didn't even have a third down after that. You had them on their heels the rest of the way. It, in, in a weird way, I know the winning touchdown is the biggest one. I know you had to make all the plays in the final seven minutes, but that one, that fourth down conversion really stood out. It, it changed everything. No, no doubt. I mean, it, you, you're going to, the clock's going to be against you big time mm-hmm. if you don't make that. And it wasn't just a routine play. I mean, it, 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 it had to happen. The kids, you know, we, we've talked a lot about that going in. I'm not sure what the philosophy has been here in the past, just in terms of being aggressive on fourth down. But we talked about being a calculated but aggressive team there. Tried to prepare them a lot during fall camp. Even in some of the scrimmages, we went for fourth down probably more than you typically would to try to just so they don't think of it as some crazy down. It's just do the routine, you know, do the routine thing. And, and really that's what we did. We just kind of – Ran a typical routine play, and, and guys made it. If you don't make it there, though, clock in, in the, the game is really going to put you in a bind to have a chance to uh, to, to finish that off. And, and it, it was probably the biggest play, I agree, of the fourth quarter. So we know in Jonesboro, if you wanted to live it up, you went to the mall. What are you doing, Logan? <laughs> well, we got back at 4.30 in the morning, so I went to bed, uh, to be honest with you. And uh, – Got up and ate, went and ate a little breakfast at Angie's and came in and, and went right to work on the game. So I, I don't know. I haven't figured out the what do you do when you want to when you want to tie one on here in town yet. To be honest with you, I'm glad you mentioned Angie's. We've actually done shows previewing uh, the night before Utah State games or the morning before at Angie's. Yep. So yeah, there you the go. Kitchen sink at Angie's. You see bumper stickers in Salt Lake City. It's all about the kitchen sink. Last thing, no before, last thing we'll let you go. Uh, our boss here, uh, Aggie alum Scott Gerard. I'm just curious how he celebrated with you. Did he give you the pat on the back, the pat on the butt? Did he quietly sob tears of joy? What was it like with Scotty G? Knuckle bumps and a hug was about it, man. It was a long night. It was a long night. <laughs> All right, he was pretty happy on the calls. You'll probably hear them at some point. All right, coach, congratulations on the win, and just tell the guys, you know, not to get too high. This was awesome that they won the opening game for you, and it hasn't happened in a long time. But uh, Coach Romney, who the stadium was named for for a long time. Uh, his first game, they beat Idaho State 136 to nothing. So maybe that's the perfect game. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we'll do our best, man. We're, we're just, we want to find a, way, find a way to get a win against these guys. There you go. All right. Thanks, Coach. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. There's Blake Anderson after just a great win, a great win for Utah State. When we come back, Utah football coach Kyle Whittingham as the rivalry game approaches. Kyle's coming up next. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. For the first time in two years, it's rivalry week. Kyle Whittingham and the Utes look to make it 10 in a row against the Cougars as the Utes head to Provo for another showdown with BYU. Your home for the best Holy War coverage is right here on the Zone Sports Network. Ah! From Monday morning to the post-game press conference... 
Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The rivalry week is here. Utah and BYU, Saturday night on ESPN. Here's Utah head coach Kyle Whittingham. Okay. Uh, good to get off or get the season off. Started off with a win. Um, it was a, uh, a game that uh, we did a lot of good things after watching the film. A lot of things to correct like we felt like after the game. But uh, certainly some positives to take away. Um, I thought Charlie Brewer played well. Uh, did a nice job uh, throwing the football. He was very accurate. Uh, made good decisions. Uh, we didn't run the ball quite as effectively as I thought we would. But uh, give credit to uh, Weber State and Jay Hill and their staff. Uh, just to reiterate what we said going in, is they're well-coached, tough, disciplined football team. Their staff's doing a great job. And uh, we'd expect them to make a deep playoff run just like they have uh, for several years. <clears throat> and um, so a lot of the credit for our missteps uh, go to them for playing well. But uh, overall, we came out uh, you know, in pretty good shape. And uh, got to get ready for the next one now. So the, the season marches on. So questions? Kyle, you talked about kind of figuring out that the depth that we're running back. Have you figured that out based on the people? Yeah, we're closer. Tavion obviously had a good game uh, production-wise, although, as we mentioned after the game, the fumble was, was the big negative. But, uh, you know, he's working hard to, to get that corrected. And uh, Makai Bernard played well. And, you know, everybody contributed uh, in some respect in the, at, at the running back position. But, but I think Tavion's the one that stood out most. What do you think of the way uh, your quarterback managed the game? I thought he did a good job managing the game. I thought he was... Uh, like I said, uh, good with his decisions. Got the ball out quick. Um, did a nice job extending the play at times, um, and just you know, it was a good start. You know, we got to get better at all positions, but I thought he got off to a really good start. Then Cam came in just for a f- few snaps and and uh, looked you know, through some good balls, a couple of good balls, and so or at least the, the touchdown was outstanding throw. So so uh, it was good to see him get some work. We saw some drops. What's the way to address drops with your receivers? Yeah, just keep working on it. Uh, receivers and tight ends that, that had the drops, and, and uh, some of them would have been tough catches, but some were just uh, plays we got to make 10 out of 10 times. And so just get back on the jugs machine and, and continue to, to emphasize looking the ball in and, and uh, you know making the catch before you start to run and that type of thing. But but uh, it's something that uh, they're drive killers. I mean, those drops uh, cost you touchdowns and or uh, uh, you know the ability to keep the drive going, so something that we got to correct. I think we had five of them, which is way too many. What, what, what do you make of uh, BYU's quarterback Jaron Hall? He's, he's now the starter. Yeah, very mobile. Uh, they've moved the launch points a lot with him. He's, you know, there's not a lot of drop back pass in the game. It's uh, play action boots, that type of thing, getting him outside the pocket. And uh, he's a guy that, like I said, has got good speed and 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 his mobility is is uh, really good. And so, I thought he did a nice job running the game, managing the game for him. Uh, 
after Saturday. Looking back, how, how well do you think the offense minded plus like what you projected this week with yeah, well, we're in season now, so we don't talk about injuries anymore once the season's going, and so that's something we're just hoping for the best. I can I can just leave it at that. Uh, I thought there's room for improvement there, as and I'm not picking on them because every every position has room for improvement, but I, I think we can be better than we were Thursday night, and I expect that we will become better, and that's you know the old adage of making your most improvement between game one and two is, has got to show up for us uh, this week because we've got to play better this week than we did last week. I think everyone needs to elevate their play, and the twos, uh, you know, weren't necessarily the guys that uh, were the, the the problematic uh, positions. It's just a matter of just being more productive, blocking up the run game better, running off the ball better. We're, we didn't get quite the movement that I thought we were going to get. But, uh, you know, the pass pro was pretty solid. I mean, there were some positives about the uh, performance as well. And so, uh, again, not to single them out because every single position group has uh, room for improvement. Yeah, yeah. When you get 12 personnel, which we'll see again this week, and so there'll be a a, uh, a good dose of it this week. But Devin Lloyd played outstanding. He's exactly what we uh, played exactly how we need him to play. He's the, he's a leader of the defense. His stats were exceptional, and uh, he's uh, that's who he is. I mean, he's just a really good player. And Nephi opposite him played well. Wasn't quite as productive as he's been. In, in games uh, in the past, but uh, he's a good, solid linebacker and, and a really good player, and and uh, so I think the linebacker core overall did a nice job. How much can you take away from the game? Knowing that you've got both of those as opponents this year, I mean, what what can you extrapolate from that as you prepare for both? Well, we're only concerned with with uh, with BYU now, and so that's that's our primary focus. You know, you do uh, you know mentally, I guess, file away some things that you saw from Arizona uh, in the game, but but uh, it's all we have to go on for this year, obviously. Uh, but the similarity in offensive style hasn't changed much uh, over you know from the last two or three years, and uh, it seems to be you know just plug in the new guys and continue doing what they're doing is what we. Extrapolated, is that the word you used? Extrapolated, that's a good word. Yep. SAT word. There were high expectations for BYU's tight ends, statistically, they didn't throw it so much. Looking at the film, is that something Arizona did that you could replicate, or did BYU just stay away from it, maybe saving something for you? What do you think? Yeah, you know, they are, they got uh, three guys they use 83, 13, and 32. Pretty much in that order as far as the the, the uh, amount of snaps. Um, I can't tell you why they didn't go to him more than they did. Uh, didn't appear on film that Arizona was doing anything in particular to take him away. Just uh, as the game unfolded, it was uh, they just were not a big part of uh, the production that particular night. But they're good players. What's your takeaway on Tyson out here, the running back, and, and how they? Twenty-five. Yeah. He's, uh, he's got uh, quickness. He's a big kid, you know, thick kid, not necessarily tall, you know, 5'11-ish, couple 220, but, uh, you know, gets positive yards and uh, has quickness, like I said. And, uh, you know, he had the majority of the carries. I think he had 17 carries, so he was the, the uh, primary ball carrier, and, and uh, he's the guy that uh, they lean on heavily in the run game.
Every win is obviously important, but how, how important is it to get to the, the tenth win over BYU? You know, no team has ever gotten over nine wins. Yeah, you know, nothing lasts forever, but uh, you know, we're just approaching it like we do every year and pretty much every game. Just the preparation will be the key. It's not the the emotional part of it or or how many wins in a row or any of that stuff. It's just the, you got to prepare the right way, and that's your best uh, chance to win a game is, is through great preparation. Internally for the players, is this rivalry different than it was five, ten years ago? You have a lot more out-of-state guys now. Yeah, it is. It is a lot different, and uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, first of all. Uh, you know, we don't. We're not in the same conference anymore. That's been 11 years now. Uh, we don't play it every year. You know, we're taking two years off after this year. We've taken time off in the past. Didn't play it last year, although that was extenuating circumstances. The the uh, the timing of the game. You know, early in the season, typically a rivalry game is is the last game of the season. So there's a lot of reasons why it it has a different feel than it used to. And uh, it's you know, but. We're playing this year, so we got to be ready to go. How do you motivate your team to not think about the remain focused on Well, like I said, just tell them that the key is going to be preparing the right way. You prepare hard and you play hard. And that's that's simple formula. You know, it's the most simplistic uh, terms. That's what you do. And if you uh, don't prepare, and that's not only on the field, but in the film room, you know, in the weight room, everything you, everything that comes with it, uh, getting your rest, hydration. I mean, there's a there's a ton of different uh, aspects to preparation, and you got to pay attention to all of them. And then on game day, you got to play hard. Yeah, I thought they played pretty good. I think Clark Phillips played really well. Like I said, after the game, he, he made a lot of plays. Uh, JT Broughton played solid. Uh, our nickel position, uh, Malone Mattele, was, was uh, a guy that turned in a pretty good performance as well. The safeties, I thought, uh, held down the fort. So uh, I think for one game, they, they had a pretty good outing. Now there'll be bigger tests down the road. But uh, for that game, I thought they played pretty well. Well, it doesn't tell me anything new than what we were thinking when we saw him all spring and all fall. You know, he's a terrific athlete, a tough matchup, and uh, that tight end crew is really productive with him, Cole Fotheringham, and, and Keithy. And uh, he made some catches and some plays that uh, you know highlighted you know, his athleticism and, and what his capabilities are. And, and uh, hopefully, we see a lot of that all year long. What do you see from Kwani's defense? Uh, a little more even front than they were playing a few years ago, uh, but the same uh, philosophy, zone coverage, is what they hang their hat on, keeping things in front of them. Um, that really is the, you know, the basics of it: is don't give up the big play and, and keep things in front and and uh, rally and tackle, and that's been their mo for uh, quite a few years. With the portal becoming a bigger deal, we see players transfer from both Utah and BYU to other schools. Mm-hmm. How much does that help with preparation? Maybe more to see more things. Eh, almost zero. I mean, it's not a big factor, and I don't think it's an advantage for either team, uh, or, or has been an advantage for either team in the past, for that matter. And so, it's not. Uh, to me, I think that stuff's overblown, and, and uh, every year is its own entity, and, and you know, you evolve and change. And so, I don't think that's really a big, big uh, part of of uh, the outcomes of these games.
you've known Aaron Rodgers for quite a while. Mm-hmm. He's there with you now. What, what do you feel like you can use from his time here that can maybe give you an advantage there? Or is there an advantage you see his footprint on this? Yeah, I don't see much of an advantage. It's uh, even what they're doing is quite a bit different than what we did here when he was here. And, and uh, so, again, it's kind of like the, the same answer about the players. It's not really a, a big impact. Not bad. Not bad. They got work to do, but uh, they did a pretty good job. I think our tackles did a pretty good job collapsing the pocket and uh, giving those head rushers a chance to, to come around the edge there and, and uh, get pressure. Uh, I thought Mika Tafua played well, but uh, in answer to your question, there's you know there's improvement they got to make, but uh, for, for freshman kids, I think they did a good job. How much different is the job for that defensive front when uh, a team does what BYU does where they move the quarterback outside of the box? Does that change their duty significantly? On the edge it does, not interiorly, but on the edge you got to you try to get the guy pulled up and not let him just have... Uh, you know the ability to roll out and have three, four seconds to to do his thing. I mean, you got to try to try to do as good a job as you can, keeping keeping him contained. Any takeaways from the weekend with Southern Texas? Yeah, a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, the North struggled. They were one and five over the weekend with Oregon, and I guess they had to pull it out late against uh, Fresno, or it was the game was never in in hand until uh, the very end. And the South was five and one, so six and six overall, which is kind of a mediocre showing for the conference. But uh, like I said, the South fared much better than the than the North. I was, uh, you know, some of the scores surprised you, but but uh, you know, if you're not ready to play, anything can happen. So I'm not accusing anyone of not being ready to play, but apparently it was, uh, you know, there were some there were some outcomes that you didn't see coming. I did. I watched uh, almost all of that, and uh, you know, you really don't have perspective right now. Uh, you know, after one week, it takes four or five weeks, in my opinion. But, but uh, they certainly look like uh, a very explosive, much more physical team than they've been. And I uh, can't, you know, I don't know much about LSU uh, and, and what they had coming back or any of that stuff. But, but you can definitely see that UCLA is is a much better football team. There's Utah coach Kyle Whittingham getting ready for the rivalry week. Kalani Sataki is coming up next. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. The Holy War is here. Kalani Sataki and the Cougars look to snap Utah's winning streak at Lavelle Edwards Stadium on Saturday. Your home for the best Holy War coverage is right here on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to hear from BYU coach Kalani Sataki. We just heard from Kyle Whittingham about Rivalry Week. Here's Kalani after the win over Arizona as they get ready for the second of three Pac-12 opponents. Yeah, uh, looking forward to the game against Utah this Saturday. Uh, um, feel really good about the game, uh, getting that win last weekend. And so uh, we've moved on and, and try to find ways to learn from the mistakes that were made and try to improve and learn from all of it and and uh, make sure that we try to improve as much as we can from week one to week two. Uh, it's been a crazy week in, in uh, college football with, with uh, all the different games and different upsets with uh, or so-called upsets with 
all the games that happened over the weekend. So, you know, just heard a lot about our our week schedule and those those teams seem to do pretty good last you know over the weekend. So, uh, college football that's why it's just uh, it's fun to watch because you never know. And so, looking forward for us to get better as a team and as a program and make sure that we perform at our best against a very talented Utah team and looking forward to, to facing a ranked team here this weekend. All right, Jared, go ahead. Kalani, we talked after the game about uh, the the health situation. What have you learned in the last couple of days? Where are you at as far as some of those injuries, uh, particularly Keenan, how's he doing and, and those guys? Yeah, Keenan's doing actually, uh, you know, pretty good right now. And uh, he, we just go into that uh, concussion protocol. I think the, the, the scariest thing was just not knowing because he was out. And I'm really thankful that, that our, you know, the trainers and the doctors were able to take him in. And, and uh, we ran all the tests and did everything we could. And, and it seems like he's going to be he's going to be good. I mean, Highly unlikely to play this Saturday, but um, we're just glad they get him back and get him healthy, and we'll work on on getting him back to to full speed. But you know, football is not the thing that we worry about right now with him. It's just making sure that he's healthy. Gunner uh, didn't come back into the game, and so um, the good news is he's not out for the year. And so we'll uh, we'll see how he, he goes day to day over the weekend. Has been has been tough on him. Doubtful for the game, but never know what could happen from, you know, in the next uh, four to five days. We'll see what happens. Uh, I'm trying to think of anybody else. I think everybody else that, that were banged up in the game came back and, and finished. So, you know, we, we have some guys that are a little sore and everything. They just got to get better and be ready to play. Jake, go ahead. Kalani, obviously Utah, there's a heightened sense of, I don't know what you want to call it, just uh, spirit, I guess, around this game every single year. Do you look forward to it every time you guys get to play Utah? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the game, and I know our players are. And We didn't get the game last year, you know, so I think that the, uh, we're looking forward to a lot of different things this year. The, this weekend, having the fans in, in this, the stadium was really, really nice to, to rely on that energy from them, and, and it caused some problems. You know, when you're going from an empty stadium and you can yell out as a coach a correction, it didn't it didn't work this, this last weekend, obviously, because of the noise level. And, but we love having the fans there and um you know we, we just with the matchup with utah we're excited for the game so our, our guys know that that there's a lot of work to be done in the next few days and, and get ready for this week of prep so we can uh, you know be at our be at our best and perform at our best against utah can you give us just a scouting report of what you see from them on film are they any different than they are in every other instance you've ever scouted them Yeah, really talented, well coached. I mean, I know their coaches really well, so I, uh, they're going to get the most out of their kids. You, you see um, great leadership. I mean, the guy that stands out the most to me is their linebacker, uh, Lloyd's. Uh, you know, he's just he's a big time playmaker, and they're big up front. Um, you know, on a very physical team on on all three phases, and so really looking forward to the matchup. Uh, obviously, I, I know I know them really well, and we seem to know each other. So we'll we'll see what happens on the field. But it comes down to the players making plays and making sure that we as coaches learn from some of the things that we've gone through, um, especially after the first 
game and try to make sure we get that improvement. Everyone says that you, you improve the most from week one to week two. We'll, we'll see how much they improve. We'll see how much we improve and then see what happens on Saturday. Hey, Mitch, and then Jared. Yeah, Kalani, uh, you've seen the, the rivalry from so many different angles, player, coach, head coach. Um, maybe as, as a player back in the day, what, what are your favorite memories of the rivalry and what changes between the lines in a rivalry compared to uh, just a, a normal regular season game? Well, I think just because we're familiar with, with each other and, you know, I – me and my little brother played here at BYU, and our our oldest brother played at Utah. And so there's there's the family connection, there's the friends, and you know there's a lot of guys on our team that know a lot of guys on their team. And so that's on the field, and then you go beyond the field and into households. And there's a lot of people that cheer for both, and there's a lot of people that have mixed families that go for one or the other school. So that's I think that makes it a lot more fun and makes it a you know the bragging rights are the are the, are the key here. So we're we're looking to try to find ways to make our fans happy and that as a coaching staff and as a, as a program and as a team that's what we want to do and beyond just bragging rights uh how much of an impact does this game maybe have on in-state recruiting and the perception young athletes have on the two programs that you guys are recruiting i'm not really worried about that stuff to be honest with you i just want to win the game, do whatever we can to perform at our best and, and see what happens in the results. So um, right now we, we, we love our guys on our team. There's guys that, that are here that want to be here at BYU and there's young men that we're recruiting that want to be here. And so uh, I don't know how much crossover we actually have in recruiting, but uh, all, all that matters right now is the game and then making sure that we show up and can be at our best. That's the key for us. Lonnie, everybody knows about the losing streak. You get asked about it every year that, you know, that before this game, how do you address it with the kids? Do you, do you talk about it at all? Do you ignore it? Like what, what do you do as far as trying to trying to prepare to try and end that streak? I mean, you only get four years to play. So it's not like those guys, you know, really know that much about it. And so, and it's, it's, it's a while ago that I was on the other side, you know, when, when it, when it first started. So, this year just all we care about is right now you, know, you, you learn from the past and you you live in the, in the present and then you prepare for the future so that's what we're going to do right now we, obviously there's things that you can carry over in, in, in games that, that allow you to be in a position to have more success and win the game we're going to try to do all that i mean it's i don't think you can you can um sit there and hide things from the players they they obviously know that there's a streak going on and things like that so you address it and then you you give them the challenge of going out there and trying to find a way to to you know break it so and we're not going to hide from it or or shy away from any of that stuff we want to play this game and we want to be aggressive and uh, we want to do whatever we can to, to make sure that we change what you know some of the past as coaches i mean this is you know probably it's more on us than, than anything so we'll try to find a way to get our players to, to perform the best and give us our best chance for success is there any way to prepare for how different it can be in a rivalry game just because the adrenaline and the interactions can be different it's football i don't know if you can you can really you just get out there and you just love the moment and then you get excited for it and that's that's what we're going to get ready for so i, I don't I'm not going to sit there and try to play it up or play it down. You know, I'm just, it is what it is, and the kids are aware. This this generation, they're 
they're different than when we were younger. You know, that there's a lot more information out there. And so I'm not going to put any bans on them from social media or anything like that. That's the life they live. But, but when they get into this building, it's all work. And when, when we give them extra time and get some demand and expectations for them to prepare, there's a certain standard that we have and, and uh, they got to meet it. Okay, and then Mitch. Lonnie, it seems like in your six years in Provo, you've brought more respect to the rivalry. You started out by saying you basically hope Utah wins every game but one. Have you seen it change in that uh, in that respect through your tenure at BYU? I don't know. I mean, I, I, that's so it's it's a uh, unique because. Um, I'm the head coach here, but before I was a head coach, I was a player here at BYU. Before I was a player, I was a fan. So uh, my my job as a coach isn't to tell the fans what, how to behave or how to act. My my co- job as a coach is just be thankful that we have fans that care and are passionate about our team and then try to meet their expectations. That's, that's what we teach our players. You know, we have fans with high expectations, and we want to meet them. We want to make them all happy. And so the, the drive, the desires to – prep and make sure that we're ready to do that um as far as the respect goes I, that's how i feel about every program i, I think it's it, we're in a situation where all these young men and coaches and, and staff members work really hard and, and you work all these long hours just for 12 opportunities to play a game and um some people don't think it's worth the, the, the time but obviously we do and then we're going against a team that feels the same way so there's a camaraderie of, of people that are willing, players that are willing to spend um, thousands of hours of preparation just for minutes or seconds on the football field. And so I think there's got to be that high level of respect for each other. And in the rivalry, I mean, we I've been on both sides and I've had family that are on both sides. And so it's there's really good people all over this place and especially in the, in the rivalry games. And I think it's just really good for the soul to wish good things on people. I mean, that's why I, I want to beat Utah. I really do. Right. But after, afterwards, I, I hope them, I, I wish them success and hope they do well. It, it does. It does. Wishing bad things on other people does not, does, is not good for the soul. So I've been taught that growing up from my, from my father and my grandpa. And that's just how I live my life. I don't expect everybody to do it the same way, but they should try it. It's, it's, uh, it's relieving and it's, it's refreshing. And I think it brings you closer to being a great disciple of Christ. Kalani, uh, uh, over the summer, uh, you know, Kyle Whittingham was asked if who, who's the, the relationship with the biggest rivalry in their in their program and said that they have a lot of different rivals in, in their conference affiliation now. Is is Utah still the biggest rival for BYU after all these years since being an independent? I don't think that's my job to define that. I think if you look at the fan base, they'll probably define it for you. You know, so I don't I don't know if it's even appropriate to, to put it on Kyle or put it on myself to to define it for everybody. I'm just going to say we, we love playing this game. Uh, we love sharing the field with, with great opponents. We have a, a ranked, talented team coming into our house, and we're looking forward to you know defending our stadium. And, and uh, both head coaches played for the great Lavelle Edwards. So uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of cool things going on in this game. And um, so I'm not going to define whether or not the different rivalries happen and all that stuff. I just think that the fan bases do it for the, for us already. So I just, is, that, is that what you're asking about, Mitch? 
Yeah, that, that that's okay. great. And I wanted to ask you one more question too, Kalani, um, you know, from the film study over Arizona, what or maybe one or two things that really stood out that, that give you some optimism going forward into the season? Um, well, you know, the, the, the difficult thing, and I mean, just looking at the film, uh, I know A-Rod was saying that during the game that it wasn't everything that we thought. I mean, we did all the, as much preparation as we could. They did some things that were different on film, on offense and defense, and definitely on special teams because we didn't know what to expect on special teams. But I was really um, I was really pleased with how our guys were able to adapt to it and then our staff taking uh, what we saw in, uh, on certain things in special teams especially and getting on the sideline and drawing it up for our players. And then on offense and defense, we had to make some adjustments, uh, you know, and adapt according to the, what we're seeing from the game plan. But I, I think you had to give a lot of credit to, to their coaching staff. It's a really good coaching staff. And and um, they were able to get their, their players played really hard and they were able to get certain uh, transfer guys in there to, to fill in some spots. And, man, they, they were a really tough team. They played hard and uh, it was it was, fun. it was a fun night. Uh, we, you know, we, we obviously wish we could take some moments back and some decisions back but uh, I mean I, I keep going back to should I have should, should I have um, declined that penalty or you know I, I don't know but uh, getting the ball on the one yard that, that whole sequence I wish I could could look into it and see if I would have done differently but I think that I'm just grateful that there's a lot of great learning moments from that game and that we were able to come out with a win um, Jake last question yeah, Kalani, similar to what Mitch was asking in terms of your film review, after watching Jaron's game back, any different opinion on how he performed against Arizona? Yeah, I thought he did. I thought he did really well. The, the one thing that I liked about, about it the most is he protected the football. And so um, that, that that's the one thing that I liked from him. Other than that, I, I thought he made some really good throws. I thought he made some great decisions. Uh, if you ask him, he wished he would have done a lot better. Um, and that's just, uh, you know, it was just nice to have a guy that's not um, happy with his performance and wants to get better. So. Uh, there's a lot of guys in, after the game that weren't happy with um, some of the things that they did, but you know, we have to just keep building on it and keep learning. I, th- I, f- I thought for game one, we did some really good things, and, and we also made some mistakes. And But that's not all on the players. I mean, that's, that's the coaches, too. we got to find ways to get our guys to play at a higher level. And if it means that we have to uh, change some things in, in the game plan, then so be it, or have different personnel groups in there, then, then we'll do that. But I don't want to all rest on the players. I think if you watch the film, like I did, the effort was awesome and the energy was awesome. And so as coaches, we've got to find find ways to make it better. Just real quick, I also wanted to ask you about the 17 tackles for Keenan Peely. How rare is it anymore to see a guy garner that many tackles in a single game? Well, there's two sides to that. Number one is why are we playing that many plays on defense? And it's because we weren't getting out of drives and um, trying to find ways to get them off the field. That, that's number one. Um, and number two is that he's really active and f- has a great nose for the ball. I thought I thought um, Keenan and Peyton played great games, you know, and, and there's some things that they could, they could fix and get better. But, man, when those guys are, are, are flying around and playing uh, full speed, it's going to be really hard to, to keep both of those guys down. But it was nice that both of them were, were performing. I think they got player of the game, the co-player of the game for both, for both guys on defense.
There's BYU football coach Kalani Sataki. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines on the way. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag college football. Oh, it's an old John McKay quote. I was kidding. It was tongue in cheek. It wasn't funny. It's, a, it's an old, it's an old John McKay quote that he used after the game. Um, so I was, I was talking and, and you know, making a joke about it. Why it was taken serious? Are you people crazy? It's a John McKay quote that he used after a game. I was stealing one of his old quotes. And being funny. I guess nobody likes to be funny anymore. So, yeah, if you want to take me to town on that, please do. Notre Dame coach Brian Kelly explaining his execution comment from Sunday. John McKay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers coach, when they lost 26 in a row to start the franchise. Little tension at Notre Dame, PK. Yeah, it didn't go over well. He set himself up, and it wasn't funny in this context. I mean, John McKay, when he said that, was funny. I don't remember him saying that, but I remember hearing about it. Yeah. Uh, and so he was asked, what do you think of the team's execution? He said, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in favor. It was funny. I was listening to uh, uh, some guy last night. I had a drive, and uh, he was, I think he's ESPN, I mean, Fox. And he kept saying, yeah, it was the old John McVeigh quote. McVeigh? Yeah. No, that's the wrong Tampa Bay guy. <laughs> By a couple decades. Well, it's actually the wrong Fleetwood Mac guy. Ah! <laughs> Famous McVeigh's. Ready, go. That's all I got for you. Who, who was another McVeigh? What? There was another McVeigh? Yeah, I think there was a GM there. Oh. Ole Miss wrapped up Labor Day. They beat Louisville 43-24, the last college football game of the opening weekend of the season. So there you go. On the second weekend of the season. Right. <laughs> Randy Edsall said he was going to retire at the end of the season. Instead, he decided to step down immediately. And the defensive coordinator, Lou Spanos, will take over. Who? Lou Spanos. Lou's? That's Lou. a bad name for a head coach. <laughs> Lou. Hello, you. Oh. Spanos. Washington coach Jimmy Lake said his team is looking to make amends to their fan base after arguably the most embarrassing loss in the history of the Huskies football program. They fell 13-7 to Montana from the big sky. They had been the 20th ranked team in the country. That's inarguably. Uh, yeah, you know how Hauk was good first time around, then he sucked at UNLV, now he's good again? I wonder if it's the players. Possibly. <laughs> It's a great thing about Whittingham. You ever try to throw credit his way, he'll just tell you it's about the players. Of course, he's getting a four million bucks, but uh, other yeah, than that, it's about the uh, about the hey, players. Leave that part out of it, okay? Hey, who picked the players? <laughs> BYU coach Kalani Sataki says Keenan Ellis continues to improve and will be in the concussion protocol while standout wide receiver Gunnar Romney is doubtful. Played this weekend against Utah. At, at what point do you become a standout receiver based on high school rep? Occasional big plays. <laughs> Near touchdowns. like Tantalize. When is he going to be a standout? He's got standout ability. 
but he's hurt a lot, unfortunately for him. And the team, yes. Actually, I don't think it's that big of a deal for the team. They'll plug in another wide receiver? Well, this week with the Nakua brothers coming back, yes. I think it's more it's far more unfortunate for him. Him. That he just can't find a way to have consistent health. It sucks, actually. I feel really bad for the kid. Michigan standout wide receiver Ronnie Bell, knee injury. Minnesota running back. Mohamed Ibrahim. Lower leg injury, both out for the season, according to their respective head coaches. An Alabama star linebacker, Christopher Allen, needs surgery for a fractured foot. He could be out for the season as well. Welcome back to football. It's a violent game, and here come the season-ending injuries. No COVID? What's going on here, man? That's a quiet day. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Well, Tyrod Taylor will start for us at quarterback, for sure. You ready to disclose any other stuff? No. I didn't expect you to go that far. You know, I just threw you around. That's what they said. No. I know that's the one everybody's always wondering. I, I've, you know, it's come up before, but he will start for us on Sunday. That's David Culley, Houston Texans coach. Tyrod Taylor will be the starting QB. So, okay. so there's no him. need for me to learn anything about David Culley then. Right? That's very unfortunate <laughs> timing to get that job and then have everything go with Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Bad career break right there. Giants running back Saquon Barkley is trending towards being available to play this Sunday. What's trending? Saquon Barkley. See? Giants <laughs> and Broncos. Uh, he's returning from an ACL tear in his right knee. Ravens gave Mark Andrews four-year contract extension worth $56 million. He gets it on his birthday, so that's a heck of a birthday gift. That's $14 million per year average. That makes Andrews the third-highest-paid, third third-highest-paid third payest, third tight end in the league behind George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. Heck of a birthday gift right there, PK. Here's your $56 million extension. Good for them. Man, it's pro sports. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Estrada hits another high drive down the left field line. This one is on its way, and it is gone. Tyro Estrada. And it's 6-1, to one, Giants. One ball, no strike pitch to Taylor. He swings, and he lifts it in the air deep to left center field. It is back. It is gone. That's a home run. Chris Taylor, a two-run shot. And the Dodgers lead it 4 to nothing. Dodgers and Giants, both with uh, decisive wins. Giants 10-5 over the Rockies. They stay one game in front of the Dodgers, who beat the Cardinals 5-1. And the Cardinals, right there in the wildcard race behind the Padres and the Reds. So are the Phillies. They're all right there. The Phillies blew out the Brewers 12-0, six home runs, including a grand slam. And so they loiter now right behind... Three, uh, two games now. Two games off the pace in the wild card race. Uh, Phillies behind the Padres. Reds are one back. They got beat by the Cubbies, four to three. Over in the American League, the Yankees get dominated by the Blue Jays, eight to nothing, as Vlad Guerrero hits his 40th home run. And the Red Sox also get beat. The Rays get them in extra innings, 11 to 10. Tampa Bay down big in that game, and they come back. 
So the Yankees, say a half game in front of the Red Sox. The Jays and the Mariners, three games behind the Sox for the last wild card berth. The second wild card serving its purpose, PK, keeping more teams' postseason hopes alive. So I was watching the end of the Tampa Bay-Boston games on ESPN there in the afternoon, being Labor Day. And so, you know, they start the runner at second and in the extra inning. And the Jays scored two, right? So they're up 11-9. to nine. And then Boston puts the runner, the guy who made the last out, on second base. So the pitcher, McHugh, I think his name is, he starts in, his, in the set position, and he just casually fakes a throw to third, which is a balk. There's nobody at third. Mm-hmm. So you can't fake a throw to mm-hmm. uh, unoccupied base. Uh, <laughs> so he, he balked, right? Mm-hmm. And thought, oh, that's kind of strange. But they wanted the runner at third. Uh, because the runner didn't matter. Because they're up, they're up two. two. Were they yeah. worried he was going to be peeking in and? Uh... Yeah, and maybe yeah, and also you uh, maybe he would get in the way of a grounder. You know, sometimes okay. they sure. stand there and yeah, you kind of pause, see if you can shield it, yeah. shield the shortstop <laughs> from seeing the ball. Yeah. I just this is the new analytics. <laughs> if you're up two in the I'm extra blocking, inning, block him over to third on purpose. You want him over to third to get him out of the way because <laughs> his run obviously is irrelevant. It's all about getting two runs, not one run, which is what happened. Next guy singled, and then I had a couple of walks. Is that, you've watched a lot of baseball. Is that the first intentional balk you've seen in your life? I was th- Yeah, that's why I brought yeah, right. it up. The intentional balk. Yeah, yeah. This is what we have now. Yeah, I, absolutely. I hadn't. I don't think I had ever seen that. It was clear he was told to do that, and he just did it as he was going to throw it maybe three feet. He just went and looked and went like and just dink, <laughs> just arm motion. Yeah, and like what? What are we doing here? It took me a second to figure out what was going on, and then it dawned on me. Oh, okay. Did you he, take the umps a second, or they call it right away? Oh no, they called it right away. Yeah. They immediately called it right yeah. away. And the announcers, I think it was uh, that one little dude from Baltimore, an old writer. I can't think of his name now, but he's been on there for years. And Eddie Perez. Uh, what's that little guy's name? ESPN guy. He he loves baseball, lives and dies it. Oh, I know who you're talking about. And, I was literally I know came there out of Baltimore. Was a long time. Tim Kirkjian. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean they immediately jumped on. I was like, well, you don't want him on the, you don't want him on second base to get in the way. Yeah, and I just thought, are, are we going to start to see that now? Just bock him home and get it over with. Mm-hmm. He's really not going to do much at third though. No, be anybody's no, way. no, and he's not going to take any chances himself because his run doesn't, doesn't matter and he shouldn't make an out. Yeah. Right. Bees won their third straight game, 10-3 over the Sacramento Rivercats. Teams will wrap up the series tonight at 8 o'clock. Coverage starts on the zone at 745 with Steve Klauke. That is what is trending. Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's... Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up this morning, Frank Dolce, Ute Insider, analyst for the Zone Sports Network, will join us at 7.30. He's coming up in 15 minutes to talk rivalry game. Dylan Colley, former BYU receiver at 9.05. Time right now to bring in Andrew Reinhardt from the Wasatch Medical Clinic. Andrew, good morning. How you doing, guys? We're doing well. Andrew, you're back once again, and once again the question is, why are guys still hesitating to come talk to you and get their ED taken care of? Well, there is a stigma around erectile dysfunction, and actually the stigma is so big that there's a lot of guys out there 
that don't think they have it. They don't think they have ED because they're too young. They're noticing failures in the bedroom. Things aren't working like they should. They may not even be taking the pill. They're just letting the relationship kind of suffer, deteriorate maybe. Uh, That is a dangerous road. The technology at Wasatch Medical can correct it. This is the future of treating performance issues in the bedroom. I'm convinced of it. It's backed by 50 clinical studies. It uh, uses gentle pressure waves that open up and regrow blood vessels. And you can kind of imagine what 40, 50% more blood flow in this part of the body in the bedroom would do. Uh, Pretty great things for a lot of guys. We've helped men all over the country uh, turn back the clock in the bedroom, get the blood flowing properly, get off the pill, and completely get rid of the erectile dysfunction. And you're hearing all this from the patients afterwards? You're getting the feedback from them? We get feedback all the time. Uh, I try to talk to patients every week, and it's amazing the stress that melts away when a man doesn't have to rely on the pill. Uh, I believe that when things work in the bedroom, they tend to fall into place outside the bedroom. So the relationship improves. Overall happiness, the spouse is happy. Uh, it, It does have a pretty significant ripple effect. You've got a special offer for our listeners. Tell the folks about it. Yeah, we uh, always believe in delivering a lot of value. If you're struggling with ED, if you want to improve the frequency, uh, you can call us and meet with a doctor, do a screening and an assessment for free, ask all the questions uh, you probably have wanted to ask somebody, Uh, leave your wallet at home. It's totally free. You get the gift that produces immediate results in the bedroom for coming in. That's pretty cool. And if you feel like you've got a need, we do the blood work and testosterone to our patients, totally free as well, uh, and that's a pretty significant value. Guys, put a stop to your ED. Call Wasatch Medical right now to claim that offer, 801-901-8000. Call Andrew at 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical, 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, guys. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. For the first time in two years, it's rivalry week. Kyle Whittingham and the Utes look to make it 10 in a row against the Cougars as the Utes head to Provo for another showdown with BYU. Your home for the best Holy War coverage is right here on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! The 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Football Fridays are presented by Stonehaven Dental. At Stonehaven Dental, they say yes. Yes to free exams and x-rays for new patients and flexible opponents. Appointments. Say yes to great dental care. Visit StonehavenDental.com to schedule an appointment. Question of the morning. we got a few minutes for it here before Frank Dolce joins us at 7.30. Kyle Winningham won't say BYU's name. Kalani Sataki roots for Utah, except when they play BYU. W-T-F. That's exactly what I do. You won't say BYU's name? No, I root for Utah, except when they play BYU. Aha! And then what do you do? Root for BYU. Okay. Isn't it obvious? No, it's not. Well... When I said it's exactly what I do, it should be obvious. You could stand back and just let events That's flow and That's not exactly then. I would not use, hear the words out of my mouth, ding dong. That's exactly what I do. 
Do you understand the definition of exactly? No. You are exactly a nerd. Do you understand that? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, that, That's been true for a long time, so. It's exactly what I do. I'm right there, brothers in arms, with Kalani Satake. Why is this happening? David says Kyle's overcompensating. He's hanging on to Urban Meyer's shtick, and it's getting old. Frankly, Utah's focused heavily on BYU and not on November. Take a lesson from Alabama. Peak in November, December, and January. Well, they actually peak when the signing day was uh, exclusively in February. That's when they peaked. Now they peak in December because more of the kids sign in December. They peak when they bring in all that 10-star talent. 10-star, that would be awesome. Yeah, if you add them up. (laughs) 10 guys with one star? No. 20 guys with half a star? No, it's uh, one guy with 10 stars. They just seem to have so much pro talent. It's ridiculous. David says Kalani has class. Kyle does not. It's pretty simple. So Max Hall was right? David Morris, is that Max Hall's burner account? They're classless? Class. The whole organization? I hate everything I about, about them. Just <laughs> bring that quote up, man. And that's true. I've always stood side by side with Max Hall, my fellow former Sun Devil. Because I really believe Utah is classless. I mean, you look at them. I mean, I'm, I, I can kind of see up there right now. Like it just screams it. Jeez. Nate's ready to trick Kyle into saying, he says, ask Kyle where he got a degree from or where he played college football. You know what I find funny, though? If you bring up anything relating to BYU, he he gets visibly uncomfortable. (laughs) Why is that? Yeah. Partly. I don't know why. Maybe a little bit of the, the Urban Meyer stick. Yeah, but and this then is certainly, a decade plus later. And then certainly he got, uh, he and Bronco and recruiting battles and got offended by stuff that got said. So easily offended, that guy. <laughs> and then it was real. But then he didn't really want to make it about Bronco, so now he can't really go back on it, showing a weakness and all that stuff. He hated Bronco since he was born with passion. <laughs> That's a Morgan Scally line, not a Kyle line. <laughs> Well, he is who he is there, and he's not changing. Would you, BYU fans, do you want Kalani to back away from the love that he com- just consistently shines upon Utah, heaps upon them? It's an honor to play them. It's an honor to get beat by them. <laughs> he's never said that. I know, but isn't that the next thing? It's implied. That, that is the next <laughs> thing, since that's what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> so is this Kalani trying to... Disarm Kyle? Because no. Kyle's used all this uh, hatred to rev people up? No, I think he's genuine. I don't think he has any guile about it. I think it's absolutely He had he a good feels. time at Utah, and he knows people up there, so that's the way he is. I mean, obviously, Kyle's coaching staff doesn't change that much. So Kalani knows a lot of the guys. He may not know them all, but he knows a lot of them. And you root for your friends and all that stuff. Okay. And since they're independent and not in the friend. same league, so does Kyle secretly root for Kalani. But he can't bring himself to say it because he's painted himself into a corner. The one time when he got his, when Kalani got his first extension, 
I asked him at one of his Monday things, but I made sure I phrased it. Hey, one of your friends got an extension in the business, so what do you think of that? And he didn't know, and I had to tell him. But I made sure I didn't say those dreaded words. <laughs> the dreaded letters. letters or words. You can't say Brigham Young, and you can't say B-Y-U. It's an interesting phenomenon all these years later, and it was Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer had no angst or any feeling against BYU. He barely knew their name. No, I mean, he, he figures, I got to go there once, and then I'm gone. Yes. <laughs> That's it. And if it doesn't go exactly the way I plan, then I have to go there twice. But then I'm, I'm gone. gone. <laughs> Just got to win a bunch, and then I'm gone. Yeah. I mean, that was his plan from the day he said yes to go there once. I don't think he thought he can work miracles in his first year, although he darn near did, but he would need his second year to back it up. So he was forced to go there one time, and that's all he did. He's the best winning percentage ever of a visiting coach. (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to beat that. You can tie it, but you're not beating it. Right. Fewest points ever allowed by a visiting coach on that field. Zero. (laughs) Yeah. All all these years, all the stuff that's happened, there's only been one shutout. Since the rivalry heated up again. He, I can remember having this argument with guy of all places down at Coral Canyon Golf Course one time. And he get, get paired up with this guy from Ohio State. And he's just going on about how Urban's a Buckeye, blah, blah, blah. I said, dude, he is no more a Buckeye than I am. <laughs> he, he's himself. Urban and Shelley Incorporated. And he says, well, you know, you notice how every coach, they never go anywhere afterward. They're done coaching. I said, yeah, because they get fired. I said, but well, it's not true. I think Earl Bruce went to Colorado State. Uh, but normally when they're done, they're fired, and that's it. And I said, oh, Urban will coach someplace else. Don't get all excited. Like He's your guy. He's your guy now. But he's his guy. Urban Inc. And wherever that's going to take him. And obviously it's taken him to the NFL. But it is fascinating in that after all these years, Whittingham still will never, ever say it. And anytime anybody asks him a question about it, he sort of tenses up. As recently as this R.J. Young down in Pac-12 Media Day, ask him about his rival. You know who I'm talking about. You darn well know. He <laughs> threw in the darn well know. He didn't go damn. He went darn. Uh, yeah, he wouldn't. Even, he couldn't even say it then. What a, a rival. We got lots of rivals. No, you don't. You got one. You got one. That is it. You got one. And be grateful you have that one because a lot of schools don't have that one. You got one. And it actually separates you from so many schools. You got the cool rivalry that's not in the conference. That's awesome. You get extra buzz. Your players get extra buzz. You put the video on the reel as they were talking about yesterday. Was it Nick Ford and Samson Nakua? Yep. They both they were on yesterday. And we've known that. Yeah. They both went to it and Kyle saying we don't lose to these guys. We're big brother in the state. Yeah. Well, Let's they keep are. it that way. They are. There's yep. no doubt about it. Nine in a row. Yeah. And they're favored to get ten in a row. I think they will get ten in a row. 
DJ and PK, it's time to welcome in Frank Dolce, our Utah Insider and Analyst for the Zone Sports Network. Frank joins us, as all the guests do, on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Frank, good morning. Good morning, guys. Hope you're doing well. Rivalry week. Does it get the blood pumping? <laughs> because if it does, then we're doing well. Yes, sure. we're doing well. Thank you for yeah, the nice it's, uh Well, it... I mean, there's always something about <laughs> rivalry week. Second, it just feels a little different when it's the second week in the season. Um, although I think I, I, I like the way that this aligns better for for Utah. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited about rivalry week, and I think based on the the, the games that we saw out of both out of the opponents, that uh, it should be a very interesting matchup. I actually like it second week. If you can't go first, you, you, go second. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to go to the end of the year. Let's just forget that. They had the one. No, and occasionally, they yeah, get that. But, but we can get over yeah. that. It doesn't really matter. But the second week, give them a game. And to there's so much room for improvement for both ball clubs. And then you get a big game. You're excited about the first game, no matter who they play, because it's the first game, right? So you have that level of excitement because it's the first time in months. This year, first time fans, so you had all that stuff going on. And now the second week, there's buzz in the second week. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I think that if if it's not the finale, then second week makes a lot of sense. How much confidence do you have that it will be 10 in a row for your alma mater? Well, I, I certainly favor Utah in, in this matchup, but uh, I, I actually think it's pretty close this year. Uh, the the competition is going to be pretty close between the two, two teams. So I, you know, Utah. I, I was hopeful Utah would show more in the first game. I know, I, you know, we all know they were vanilla on offense and and defense. You know, they didn't do they didn't do much. Just tried to to get the win, kind of a whole hum, you know, forty seventeen win, and and now they have a chance to to clean things up. But there are certain areas where I thought they they would be a little more dominant. So the concerns we had about the offensive line, I think, materialized a little bit. Uh, not not to take away anything from Weber State because I think they played extremely well and should should challenge for a conference championship. Uh, but defensively, that was a that was where I thought Utah would really shine, and um, I think they did some good things, but certainly still work to do on that on that defensive front. I thought the linebackers were really. I just thought. <laughs> I just thought of defensive line, um, and and then I thought the young secondary played played pretty well, and a lot of promise in the secondary. So, you know, overall, I think this is a pretty athletic Utah football team. I really like the quarterback position. Great options at the running back. I think we uncovered a couple, you know, receiver op- options and. You know, I think everything is pointing the right way, but I do still think it makes for a compelling matchup this weekend. Yeah. How about the running backs? I was impressed. I like the running backs. Uh, I like I like Bernard a lot. I, the way I characterize it, I thought 
Bernard was like a, could be a very solid, steady, every down back, you know, maybe average, you know, four plus yards per carry. Um, I I don't know that he would be like the explosive break a bunch of tackles and, you know, pick up 50 yards. Maybe that's in his character, but he seemed more like kind of a steady, he's going to be your foundation kind of back. You just rely a reliable kind of back. Um, and then um, Tavion, I thought, was the more explosive of the two. And so I'm, I'm really – like, he's the guy that seems like a, could be potentially a game-breaker uh, in, in that backfield right now. Uh, but the, I, I think you guys mentioned it, too, last week. He just has to hold on to the football because if he doesn't, then he's, just, he, he's not going to see much – much of the playing playing field. So, and then um, I think the you know there's there's two other guys there, and the the transfer from LSU, like I in his very limited carries, I thought he showed a lot of promise, and so I'm curious to see how how that unfolds. I would put those those as the top three guys in the running back, but. Is super, I think, super talented in the backfield, and now you're just going to have to settle on a, maybe on a two-guy rotation at some point. Charlie Brewer's 19 and 27, and obviously two touchdown passes could have, would have, should have been caught, and there were a couple more drops. So when we look at that spring game, which we routinely dismiss, maybe that 15 to 15 was actually real. 23 to 27. It's Weber State. He's not in Pac-12 play, and he's not out there playing with adrenaline in a rivalry game and all that. What what makes him so accurate, at least to date? Maybe we'll have to take that back later. But at least to date, what what does that? Well, there, he's very sound mechanically. I think we've seen Utah quarterbacks in the past who've not been that way, and that leads to some some issues throwing the ball. Even though those guys could at times be very effective, but I, I think if you watch Brewer from especially from the hips down, like. He's very sound mechanically. Great footwork. Um, he's always kind of po- getting himself pointed in the right direction to deliver the football. He doesn't have chatty feet in the pocket. Like, he seems super, super steady in the pocket. Um, his throwing motion is very good. So, I think mechanically, he's, he's just really sound. And uh, and clearly he's been. I mean, that, some of that could be natural, but clearly he's been coached uh, extremely well coming up through his 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 quarterback life. So I I I'm a big fan. I mean, I I didn't know what to expect. I've seen I've seen film on him, and uh, all the numbers look really good. And you just don't know until you see the guy live. And he, I thought he was very impressive live. And I also thought that Cam Rising, the thing about Cam Rising is he probably knew he was going to get some snaps, but he immediately took snaps like he was a starter. Like there wasn't a, there wasn't a drop-off. He was engaged in the game. You could see it on the sideline. He, the moment he stepped on the field, he knew what he needed to do. And, and so I was impressed with, with both of those guys. And what I – what I thought before in that Utah had depth at the quarterback position like they haven't had in the past, I think that materialized. 
All right, Frank. Well, my role here obviously is to play the devil's advocate, or in this case, the Sun Devil's advocate. So my co-host is pumping up a spring <laughs> game in Weber State. Uh, yes. And we're going back yeah. two years when he led them to the Sugar Bowl, I think it was. But last year, they sucked. Eh, no big deal. We're just overlooking that. Uh, so this guy, man, we just want to heap praise on him. He looked good in the spring game against we- and Weber State. I'm going to reserve judgment until they're down four or five, and there's two and a half minutes to go, and they get the ball on the 25. And until that moment comes, I don't know what they've got. I think they've got something good, but I don't know what they've got. I don't care. He could have gone 100 for 100 in the spring game, and he could have gone 13 for 10 in the against Weber State. It doesn't matter. I mean, you look at in the Big 12. Tulane put 35 on Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So... Who can't throw the ball in the Big 12? You're the, you're, you're, Jamal Holloway out of Banning, if they would have brought him back in the 80s today, he would throw for 350 yeah. yards. I mean, come on. He might. I mean, that, yeah, that could be. So, Although I don't think mechanically he was quite as sound as, as Brewer. He wasn't, but he would have been so. coached up by his father and blah, 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 and his grandfather and everybody else. So, so I'm not saying he's bad by any stretch. But I'm saying I got to wait until I actually see a drive they've got to have. And he could probably do it, but I'm a little bit hesitant based on no defense or little defense in the Big 12 and the spring game in Weber State. Well, we'll see if his mechanics hold up under pressure. I think that's that's going to be the thing. And if if that's the case, then if his mechanics hold up, then – and I, I think he'll be, he'll be fine. The, the other thing that you, you know, we probably have to consider in that is, is the level of competition uh, in, in the defensive secondary is going to change uh, in the next several weeks. And Windows. Those are start to look a little more thin and that's, that makes it more difficult. So, Hey, I, I'm not ready to give him the Heisman Trophy. <laughs> I, I'm just saying that uh, of all the recent quarterbacks that we've seen with Utah, and a lot of those guys have been very successful and have had opportunities to, to move on, he is the most mechanically sound that I think we've seen. I, you know, I, I, I kind of would say, like, um, Jackson Dart, who played at Corner Canyon last year, I said about him, like, he, he was the guy of all the school quarterbacks, I think, he was the guy that all of the tools, all, it was the most mechanically sound, had all of the tools to make it at the next level. Will he make it at the next level? I don't know. Yeah. But he has, he has all the stuff. And I think that is probably how I would describe Brewer at this point is like he has all the stuff to make it. And and I don't disagree. I'd like to see him under duress as well to see how he manages that situation. Yeah, I think he'll be fine, but I'm just a little hesitant to heap praise based on the spring game in Weber State. Well, the spring game can get pretty raucous. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, BYU, I'll have to watch one of them one of these times. Will Tyler Algier be able to run the ball against Utah's defense? Because Utah dominated the last time they met two years ago, and BYU didn't run for 100 yards in that game as a team. They didn't have a back who ran for 50. 
Tyson Williams was held to 45 in that game. So yeah. is BYU going to be able to run the ball, or is Utah going to make them one-dimensional right away? Well, uh, it's, it's certainly going to be Utah's game plan. And Utah's game plan doesn't alter too much on the defensive side <laughs> from week to week to week. Maybe a little more emphasis this week on shutting down and controlling and containing the run game. I, but I think Algiers a better back than he was, too. Um, he was a pretty good he was a linebacker back then, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he could have been. <laughs> so, uh, and, and he has a pretty good group in front of him. Uh, so, but yes, Utah will be focused on, you know, that you, you can't have a hundred yard rusher in the game. And so that's going to be the big, that's going to be the big emphasis on the defensive side. And that comes down to the, the, you know, the, the front four in the seven, seven man rotation and, and the two guys in back who, who are, who are very good and played really well last week. Uh, but I, you know, I think that's a huge threat uh, because I like the way that Algier played um, against Arizona. And by the way, I think you know we, we all talked about Arizona being terrible, and I don't know if they're so terrible. Right. But but, uh, but Algier played. I, I thought he played really well. Hey, the way Arizona's going, they can win the Pac-12 North. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, I. I, I, I I don't know what I th- well, I don't know what we think about the Pac-12 at this point. <laughs> Pac-12 comes out what six and six in the first weekend with yeah. um how does Washington how does Washington lose that game? I mean, is that just that's just that's just crazy. Don James um, rolled over. Oh my gosh! I think Jimmy Lake, uh, you know, Jimmy Lake could be on a, a short leash here. After one after one matchup, well, they got a pretty um, good coach on campus. <laughs> you know, Chris it Peterson. Was an, it, it was an odd retirement. Maybe he's going to do. A, maybe he's going to do. A, you know, Rick Majerus during his career, Utah took two years off. It, yeah, like he yeah. took a year off, and then he yeah. coached a couple of years. And he took another year off. Right. He coached a little bit more. Right. So who, who who knows? But but yeah, the 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 Pac-12 in Oregon going down to the wire. I mean. I don't know what to think of the Pac-12. I watched almost all of those games. Mm-hmm. Me too. Um, I I don't know. I just I with Clay Helton at the helm at, at USC. I know they kind of ran away with it, but I always feel like he just doesn't get everything out of that talent. Uh, and so I I think USC looks looks really beatable um ucla how about ucla maybe they're the yeah. maybe they're the the surprise in the in the in the south this year well they've had five um, straight, anyway they've had five straight losing seasons it's about time i know you know you walk across like i say i say the same thing about san diego state um i say it about ucla like you walk across those campuses you, you walk around those towns how do you not recruit to those areas in shorts like, no i less. mean i I I understand if you're dropping a kid off, you know, in Laramie, 
And, you know, <laughs> it goes to the worst example. <laughs> you're saying, you're saying, I always said that they, they landed in Denver and the coach just said, welcome to Laramie, <laughs> you know? <laughs> just up the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I just, uh, I, I've always thought that about UCLA. And, and so maybe now Chip Kelly is going to get that, is going to get that thing under, under control. But that, that was a good win. Um, yeah, and, sure. and Ed, Ed Orgeron looked a little lost on the sideline. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, it, it's, it, the Pac-12 looks like it's going to be the Pac-12 again. Nobody knows what's going to happen. You know, what's cool is I think that this is going to be the last time that BYU and Utah play each other in which one is an independent because they're not scheduled to play for the next two years. So when they reconvene, what would that be in 2024? I believe BYU will be in the Big 12 at that point. And I think it, when we get to that in two years, it'll add more juice because it'll not only be the rivalry, but it'll also take on the Pac-12, Big 12, and Big 12 has been beleaguered now for the last several weeks. Oh, they're the little eight and they don't deserve Power 5 status, blah, 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 blah. So I'm jumping ahead two years, but I think that's going to add some real, just more excitement and ammunition to when these two teams get together in 2024. And God willing, Frank, I hope I'm there. Yeah, you, you, both of us. I mean, I hope both of us. <laughs> I hope both of us are there. And 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 by the way, I mean, uh, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily root for for BYU, or that's probably, I don't root for BYU, I should say, I don't, <laughs> it's not a necessarily, but, but, uh, but I do, I, I'm a huge fan of Kalani, and, and doesn't that just, doesn't that just make sense to, to, for, for, for those guys to move into the Big 12? Yeah. I mean, that just seems like a, you know, uh, a really good fit, a really good opportunity, and there's lots of good things that come with being associated with the conference, you know, the NCAA is kind of goofy right now. We'll see what happens with college football over the next several years. But, but um, I, I don't think there's future. There's a good future with independence uh, for BYU. And so, so this opportunity is enormous and, Agreed. and uh, you know, good, good, yeah, good, good for those guys. Good for Kalani. And it makes, I, th- I do, I think it makes for, a, a much more compelling matchup outside of the rivalry to have those conferences going against each other. I agree. BYU's got a lot of games scheduled in the future, and they're going to have to let some of them go if slash win slash next week they join the Big 12. So <laughs> how will you and your Ute brethren handle it if BYU turns around and says, eh, we got some big games on the schedule, we just can't play Utah these two years? They won't. They won't chicken out. Well, uh, I... I mean, to be honest, I don't get too caught up in in those things. Like if they if they said that, I'm like, okay. <laughs> How about your youth brother go, then? Go find another. Yeah, some of some of those guys uh, will go. Well, I think it would be like like uh, PK just said, like you know, oh, you're chickening out. You know, the, it would it would just become you know kind of this bragging rights sort of and it would fire up the rivalry even more if they didn't play yeah it might it might like i i i don't know i don't get too caught up in that so like if we're if we're gonna play if if we happen to play them then i think that's great like i think that's a game that should be on the schedule 
but I don't I don't necessarily lose sleep if that game's not on the schedule for for whatever reason. And if if Utah wants to back out or if BYU wants to back out of that game, I just I'm like, well, there's a lot more. There's a lot of other things to worry yeah, about. Let's you know, go on. find another game. Right, I agree. <laughs> Let's go find another game. But but um, but there is you know it does make it kind of fun too when when there's uh, a year or two when there's not a game, and so the game before you have the break, you know, then that's the biggest game ever. Because you know, and then you have bragging rights for a year or two after that, or or the game coming back from the break is you know that's the biggest game ever. So I do, I do think there's some excitement that's manufactured as a result of of laying off for a year or two. All right, Frank. Thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. Man, I uh, I really appreciate being with you guys. Have you have you uh, have, have we got? Are we too early in the week for you to pick a score on this one yet? I haven't, so I guess the answer is yes. But I'm going with Utah. But I'll think about a score. Oh, you should be here Thursday at nine (laughs) twenty-two. That's yeah. That's that's when you're giving your score. Yeah, yeah. Come on, it's radio. Thursday at nine twenty-two. Also, uh, also, also Friday at seven forty. I'm not giving my score when he gives his score. No, you shouldn't. Absolutely not. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to give my score. Wednesday at three thirty PM. Okay. I'll be I'll be listening. All right. There it is. Thank you, Frank. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Good to talk to you. Frank Dolce, former Utah quarterback. He's our insider and analyst for the Zone Sports Network. Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver, coming up at nine o'clock. DJ and PK. It's ninety seven five at twelve eighty the zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. The head coach of BYU, Kalani Sataki. Even if coaches did handle it the same, wouldn't you expect your players to kind of feel the emotion of this game and handle the week differently? Yeah, coaches may say, hey, it's just another game, but the truth is everything else outside of them says it's different, right? So the way the fans handle it, it's way different. So I say let's just embrace it and let's have fun with it, man. If we go into it saying, hey, this is just another game, that sounds great on paper and in print, but the truth is, we know those guys. There's a lot of guys on this team that are really familiar with them, that are friends with them. Me and my little brother, TJ, were playing here, and our oldest brother was playing at the U. So that makes a difference. And so why would you ever try to change that? The fans know each other. They're in the same households. So let's just have fun with the whole experience. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Join the big show on Thursday, September 9th from 2 to 7 p.m. at Mountain Mike's Pizza, 3785 West, 104th South in South Jordan. It's their grand reopening. Beat Mike Smith, Utah Jazz broadcaster in a shooting contest and win a 20-inch pizza. That's Mountain Mike's Pizza on Thursday, September 9th. You ain't beating Mike Smith. Get out of town. <laughs> Not a lot of pizza going to be given away there. <laughs> Good luck with that. Mm-hmm. Kyle Winningham won't say BYU's name. Kalani roots for Utah, except when they play BYU. WTF. I'll say it. BYU, 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 BYU. Gwen says the football coach up north needs to get over himself. Up north? Up north. That's uh, Tup or Torn? 
Tune. Brian says, you are, north. you are truly scrapping the bottom. I'm sure he meant one less P there in scraping. You're truly scrapping the bottom of the barrel to stir up something oh. in rivalry that isn't really there. He's a looser. <laughs> they are friends and support each other. I've met both, and they are both great guys. Oh, I love them both. If I ever got married again, I'd ha- it would be a tough call. Who would be my best man, Kyle or Kalani? <laughs> the two Ks. <laughs> Coming up, the Oklahoma State coach is talking BYU. Who's on board? Oh, I am. We- so is he. I'm a man. I'm older than 40. (laughs) I'm a man. I'm 40. You know, sometimes when you're a man and you're 40, you need help from Andrew Reinhart and Wasatch Medical Clinic. Andrew, breakthrough treatment, no pill, no injections, no surgery. This is easier than most guys think, right? This is easier than most guys think. Just uh, think here, if you're frustrated in the bedroom, two to three weeks from now, what might happen to the relationship, intimacy, if the ED were gone, if you didn't have to take the pill, if frequency in the bedroom came back to what it was, that is, I mean, I don't think life-changing is, is overstating it. This is an important part of life, and Wasatch Medical Clinic has helped a lot of guys with wave technology. It uses these gentle pressure waves that, similar to breaking down a gym, uh, breaking down a muscle in the gym, excuse me, we build the blood vessels up stronger and allow for more blood flow. It typically takes a few short 10-minute treatments over two to three weeks, and that is it. You could be done. Uh, This is treating the root cause problem of the erectile dysfunction. There are no side effects, and that, I believe, is why so many men are doing it. So why do men want to stop taking the pill? For ED. Nor- normally, it's uh, two things, the side effects and the lack of spontaneity. Couples really don't want to plan intimate moments or schedule them around a pill. Uh, you want on-demand function, and you don't get that with medication. As far as I know, this technology, a Wasatch Medical, is the only thing that can restore the spontaneity. You got a special offer. Tell the folks about it. Yeah, a lot of value. We believe in this. Uh, If you're struggling with ED and want to regain the love life, call us. You'll meet with our doctor. The assessment exam and blood flow ultrasound is free. You get the very popular gift that produces immediate results in the bedroom. And if you feel like you've got a need, blood work and testosterone to our patients is totally free. Uh, There's a lot of value in this today. Guys, you can put a stop to your D by calling Wasatch Medical right now to claim that offer, 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Call Andrew right now at 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, guys. Just coast to coast, people see BYU as a Power 5 team. Like that logo? Like you would too, right? Because you watched them for People think if you see that logo, they don't really know they're an independent. They think they're tied into a Power 5 conference, okay? That is the Oklahoma State football coach right there. How convenient. Come aboard. We're expecting you. DJ and PK in the morning, <laughs> proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. PK's ready to stencil out on the side of a big ship, apparently. You know where it <laughs> sailed out of? Uh, Stillwater, Oklahoma. And still, that, uh, that ship sailed out of L.A. Harbor which is in San Pedro, California, my hometown. It's not your hometown. It's 
the place you lived for a while. It's not the same thing. You can call it whatever you want. It's my hometown. My hometown. Yeah, how about Mike Gundy? We don't need Jeff Van Gundy or Stan Van Gundy, those fired coaches. We got Mike Gundy telling us coast to coast. That means New York to Los Angeles at the port because it's a port side city. They know of BYU. When you see that logo, you think P5. Just coast to coast, people see BYU as a Power 5 team. Like that logo? Yeah. Like you would too, right? Because you watch them. People think if you see that logo, they don't really know they're an independent. They think they're tied into a Power 5 conference. Okay. Yeah, that's coast to coast. When you see that coast to coast, you know. People think BYU, Power 5, coast to coast. Yeah, I absolutely think that. When I see that, I think coast to coast. You go, you can go Florida, you can go Seattle, you can go Maine, you can go Chula Vista. It doesn't matter. Coast to coast. <laughs> Chula Vista. Yeah, I went way up there to way down there. You did. Good call. <laughs> Imperial Beach would be a little more down there, but Chula Vista's pretty far down there. Yeah, I mean, you go. People see that coast to coast. How do you argue with that? I can't argue with that. Coast to coast. Can you argue with that? Does that excite BYU fans or frustrate them? It fires me the heck up, and I'm the number one BYU fan out there, coast to coast. You emptying balloons over there? I've lived in cities in both coast-to-coast states. You haven't. You've only lived in one. I lived in both. You're right. Yeah, that's a good point. Jersey, coast. It's a a coastal state. Right there. Ocean was right there. Okay, stop. Like a half hour away. Stop. And Pedro was like two minutes away. Stop. You didn't tell Van Gundy to stop. Don't tell me to stop. I knew he was going to stop because he only cut like 13 seconds of the bite or whatever Mike Gundy never stops. Oh, I got a full three minutes. He got a full three minutes. Don't. Full three minutes. Don't. It's it's him saying something that's convenient that helps him now that he wasn't willing to say a, a year ago. He didn't, he didn't have to say. He wasn't asked yeah. a year ago. Mm-hmm. What do you mean he wasn't willing? Come How on, this is you what constantly freaking downgrade BYU, and that's, it pisses me off. That's not the point at all. And you, you said he wasn't willing to say it last year. He wasn't. How do you know? He's got the mic in front of his face all kinds oh, of times. Oh, so let's talk about BYU last year. That would have made a hell of sense. A hell of a sense. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I sure hope. I'm here in 2024. (laughs) BYU's better than Kansas. UCF is better than Rutgers. Everybody knows they're... Rutgers? Yeah. Everybody knows... (laughs) You just pick on my Jersey team? I did. You're trying to hurt me again. No, you don't care at all about Rutgers. It doesn't (laughs) hurt you even a little bit. It might hurt Chris Hill. He might go, yeah, it's true. But it doesn't hurt you. Hey, go Scarlet Knights. What about Bob? A, what about Bob Holt? There's a bunch of teams that are in mine power who played five. for Rutgers. There's a, I don't know, I don't care. There's a, bunch I do, of, and Bob does. Okay, good. I don't know Bob well enough to predict how Bob would react because they don't know him at all. <laughs> There's a bunch of teams that are good enough to be Power Five, but they don't get the money, they don't get the access to the playoffs, they don't get anything until somebody in the Power Five decides they need them, and then convenient they roll out something that BYU fans have thought for a decade, unless they've thought it for two. Or three. They're plenty good enough. Quit downgrading us. Huh? Huh? <laughs> that made a hell of sense, and you know it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now he says they're good enough. And it's not just him. They it's every coach him last in a, year he would have said it. AD. And nobody had let him in. Dismissed him when they were 12 and 0 in 2001. Not good enough. Dismissed him when he went 14 and 1. Now they're good enough. Yeah, cuz you need them. You don't think Gundy thought they were good enough 2 years ago? Not individually that season, but historically. But historically as a program. Yes. He wasn't asked it. I think he's saying what a high percentage of coaches would say. And sure, he has extra motivation to say it now because he's trying to build up his new conference going forward. I understand that. But that doesn't take away from the respect that BYU has. He's talking about people coast to coast. (laughs) The people in Oregon, what do they care? They would acknowledge it. People who have nothing to gain by saying yes that, those are the people that matter. Sure, Gundy has, in a sense, something to gain because he's promoting the conference. Right. Although, at the same time, promoting the conference is not the be-all, end-all. That's not going to keep you employed by promoting your conference. If your conference wins and you suck, what difference does it make? You're out. So he's promoting the conference. But I, don't, I didn't hear the whole thing. I heard that. Do you know it, who brought this whole topic up to Mike Gundy? Trammell. Our boy, Barry Trammell. And he's promoted <laughs> BYU big time. Right. He has. And, but he actually didn't ask about BYU specifically. Gundy brought that part right. up on his So own. did he bring up, I didn't hear the whole thing, did he bring up Cincinnati and, and, yes, and all did. these others? He said UCF has over 71,000 students. Cincinnati's got a big TV market. This is all stuff we should be looking at. He says he's expecting to meet with people tomorrow right, for right. more of an update. Oh, they got a big TV market, not just a big TV. Okay. Big mar- TV market. Correct. Yeah, I got you. I'm like, you know, big TV boy over here. <laughs> Look at my TV. So everybody thinks of Boise State, t- but they're just, envy. they're just screwed. <laughs> they're well, you can't invite out. everybody. Not everybody mm. gets to go to the party in the fourth grade. And what does Boise <laughs> offer besides football? In the fourth grade, I think everybody's still going to the party. Not everybody. Nope. That's not true. Got cut out, huh? I don't, hell no. I didn't get cut out. <laughs> you could sing. They had to have you at the party. Oh, yeah. I could dance, too, man. Let me tell you. So... That's Boise. If he was asked about Boise, he probably would have said the same thing. But I don't think Van Gun. I keep going Van Gun. <laughs> I don't think Gundy has any say on who gets in. I think he has zero say. Nope, he's over there coaching football and screaming at columnists. So maybe he would want Boise in, but everybody can't go. I think this is this is another acknowledgement of how big time BYU is. And if I have to be the lone voice on this show to to carry BYU's banner, I will. And you're really playing the victim today. I will. I'll do it. I'm actually I'm playing a supporter. Mm-hmm. You're the one who's getting defensive, not me. <laughs> <laughs> Love when you assign people stuff. Well, I don't know how you can argue that. It's clear that you, you're just downgrading. Oh yeah, that's so self-serving. He would have said it about Snow College. 
if they would have decided Snow College would have get in. Yeah, he would have. So UNLV, he would have set it up. If they decided we need the Vegas market because that thing is just blowing up like crazy with all the pro teams they're getting and every single concert act. It's the entertainment that capital be- in the Western Hemisphere. That would be awesome if they're bringing in four teams and he said three teams are good. I don't know what they're bringing those guys in for. I mean, of course he's going to say it. So you're basically, what you just did is you put BYU on the level of UNLV. That's what you just did. 25 years okay. ago. So be 25 it. years ago. We were BYU's, 25 years younger. That too. And BYU's <laughs> beaten Kansas State in the Cotton Bowl and Kansas State's got no excuses, the biggest stage, blah, blah, blah. BYU's been here for a while. Now he'll say it. Because he was asked now. Uh-huh. Now the Big 12 will acknowledge it. Because they need it. Well, that's sure. That, but he has nothing to do with that. Yeah. That, that, doesn't not, ta- that doesn't take away. It's two separate things. I, I can see where you're going. But it doesn't take away from BYU's national rep. Right. But thank you, Captain Obvious. We've known it for... We have, but I in this community, if you don't think the only thing better coast coast? is if a black guy had said it. Because that would have given BYU even more credibility. That's what they do. We want credibility. Dwayne Wade, we're still giddy that Dwayne Wade bought 1% or whatever percent of the team that he brought. So we live for that. Now all of a sudden we're going to dismiss it? An outsider pumps us up? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) What was that? Exactly. I never said that. I don't even know what you said. In so many words you said that. All of a sudden, it doesn't matter. Wow, wow you're 25 years too late. Well, it Come matters. On. It matters it's because huge. they're finally acknowledging it, and they need them, and so they're going to invite them, and that's good. Uh, agreed, agreed, agreed. But everyone knows it. Well, then why were you screwing them over for the last 25, 35, 45 years, whatever? I can't do the math. What are you talking about? I mean, so uh, I'm married... And then my spouse dies, and then my neighbor, I look at her, and I say, hey, you want to go out on a date? Well, now you're going to ask me? I didn't need you before. That's, that's not I a, need you now. That's not a great analogy. I need you now. <laughs> it's a quarter you're after just, eight, I and I'm it. a little drunk, and <laughs> I, I need, you, need now. you now. Yes, okay. <laughs> Stumbled into that. Congratulations. <laughs> that was... Planned since last night. <laughs> this segment has gone everywhere. <laughs> I stumbled into that. No, it's just it's like a painting, and I'm weaving my way through okay. the various colors to get the exact scheme that I want. What's the name of that dude with on on uh, on late at night on uh, KBYU painting that reruns from like 30 years ago? What's oh, now name? he's trying to suck up by saying he watches KBYU. Bob Ross. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Pretty trees. Yeah, everybody's channel sort of through a Bob Ross show. <laughs> I think it's huge that he's saying coast to coast. How can you argue with Oklahoma State coach Mike Gundy, who says coast to coast people view BYU as a power five team? And Josh Post, hey, I'm just here for the Ute comments. <laughs> Ute. Jacob says if Kansas and Arizona are considered P5 football teams, why not BYU? Okay, why not? Because they won't let him in. Because someone decided to, in. to exclude him. Well, now, yes. They didn't decide to exclude him. That's like saying they decide to exclude Colorado State. They didn't decide to exclude him. Exclude him. It was just geography. 
Aaron says, when Washington loses to Montana, Washington State loses to Utah State, Cal loses to Nevada, Oregon struggles against Fresno, Arizona loses to BYU, it looks like a step down for BYU to join the Pac-12. That, see, that's where you're going with the Big 12 Pac-12 thing in 2024. Oh, yeah. That is absolutely going to provide some juice. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, too. Yeah, I totally agree. Especially for a conference that has been disregarded. Well, the, the Pac-12 sucks, but hey, we don't suck as bad as those guys. Mm. Uh, absolutely. Who's comment? Uh, really, the, the takeaway from this last weekend of college football is the SEC and the Big Ten are chuckling, looking at the Pac-12 and the ACC. And they don't even worry about those Get guys. out of the way, guys. We'll take all those playoff berths. They don't worry about them. And they don't worry about the ACC. And, and they Cle- don't. Clemson lost a game to Georgia. I mean, mm-hmm. so I'm supposed to say they suck? Yep. That's what they're thinking <laughs> in the SEC. <laughs> they suck. Jo- we need what, another what, playoff berth. What was it, 10-3? to 3? Yeah, it was. On a defensive touchdown. Yeah. So, great. We're not as bad as you, but we certainly aren't entertaining to watch. Who the crap want to sit through that unless you're a hardcore Georgia fan? The rest of us are saying, man, that was a snooze fest. I really don't think the SEC and and Ohio State give a crap. We're in. Screw you guys. If you happen to stumble in, we'll be a senseless, and then we'll move on to the final. Hey, I got mine. You don't have yours. Sucks for you. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Dylan Cawley, former BYU wide receiver, is going to join us coming up at 9.05 to talk rivalry game. We already had Frank Dolce on. If you missed that, get it at 1280thezone.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And grab your phone right now. Use the app. Send us your take. Mike Gundy, Oklahoma State coach, says people view BYU as a Power 5 team coast to coast. What do you think? Use the open mic feature on our app. Send us the audio and we'll get it on the air. Right now, time to welcome in Andrew Reinhardt. With Wasatch Medical Clinic, joining us with a breakthrough treatment that does not involve a pill injection or surgery. Andrew, what can you tell us about it? Well, this treatment is really helping a lot of men with blood flow in the bedroom. If you're struggling with erectile dysfunction, it's pretty common for men to think, I'm too young, I'm too healthy, I'm not going to do anything about it. And the relationship is what suffers. Uh, We've helped a lot of guys get over that and get over the awkward conversations with the pharmacist to get that pill. Our technology is clinically proven, 50 studies now, to open up and regrow blood vessels. You can kind of imagine what 40 or 50% more blood flow might do. Pretty great things. Uh, You're right, no pills, no injections, no side effects. We're talking about more blood flow where you want it, when you want it. Cambridge University recently conducted a study on the treatment. What are the details? Yes, they did. And what's interesting about that study is, uh, first, they studied our exact technology. And the second thing is they tested it on men with severe erectile dysfunction and showed a very high success rate, totally safe, no side effects. So if you're out there and you're not in the severe category yet, uh, you will probably do very well and notice significant results with this technology. You've got a special offer today. What is it? Call us now. Put a stop to your ED. And you can leave your wallet at home, by the way. The assessment exam and blood flow ultrasound uh, is free. You get the very popular gift that produces 
immediate results in the bedroom, worth the trip. And if you feel a little lethargic, blood work and testosterone is now included to our patients free as well. Guys, put a stop to your ED. Call Wasatch Medical right now to claim the offer at 801-901-8000. That's 801-901-8000. Call Andrew right now. 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, guys. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. The head coach of BYU Kalani Sataki. Even if coaches did handle it the same, wouldn't you expect your players to kind of feel the emotion of this game and handle the week differently? Yeah, coaches may say, hey, it's just another game, but the truth is everything else outside of them says it's different, right? So the way the fans handle it, it's way different. So I say let's just embrace it and let's have fun with it, man. If we go into it saying, hey, this is just another game, that sounds great on paper and in print, but the truth is, we know those guys. There's a lot of guys on this team that are really familiar with them, that are friends with them. Me and my little brother, TJ, were playing here, and our oldest brother was playing at the U. So that makes a difference. And so why would you ever try to change that? The fans know each other. They're in the same households. So let's just have fun with the whole experience. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So you think at the same time, PK, that what I almost called him Van Gundy. That was close. That what, that what Mike Gundy says at Oklahoma State. While it's a pat on the back to the Cougars, you're viewed this way, and it's confirmation of what you want to hear and what you want to be told. Isn't it at the same time just the most frustrating thing about college football? I don't know if it's the most. One of the most frustrating things about college football is they aren't a Power 5 team. Who are now, BYU. They may be about to be, and they're viewed as a Power 5 team, but they don't have access to the playoff. They don't get the money. Uh, yeah, I get your point, but I don't, I don't know that it's that frustrating because at least 50%, if not more, the Power 5 teams don't have access to the playoff. Well, theoretically, they could if they were good enough. I mean, well, they're nowhere BYU near. could if they were good enough. Not at the same level of theory. I mean, if Kansas is... <laughs> I mean, it's a theoretical to say Kansas is good enough because they're so bad. But if they won the Big 12 and went undefeated, they'd be in. You lost me on that, man. If BYU goes undefeated, like Central Florida went undefeated, they still get left out. But if you're in a Power 5 league and you go undefeated, you're in. Central Florida, not in. Undefeated, not in. Say you get in. Don't say you're in. Uh, I, I... I don't know that. I, I don't remember what Central Florida had going on then. And, and things are changing, and, and now we get congressional people involved. So I, I think if BYU goes undefeated this year, they got a great chance to get in. With seven Power Fives, and you beat them all, obviously, because you would have gone undefeated. And the and the ACC favorite already has a loss. I mean, other things Pac-12. have to happen, right. but other things have to happen. But they're already happening. Anyway. Yeah, but they're already happening. I, mean, I understand. Clemson's already got the loss. Right, but... I mean, the Pac-12 I, I could still that. have an undefeated team. They could. It's just... Yeah. For, for him to say this and just to kind of phrase it the way he did, and, he, and it shouldn't all be on him because he didn't set up the whole deal... You know, Not at he's, all. he's got to work in it. So I'm, but the the premise, the premise of what he says is right, but it's infuriating at the same See, time. See, I don't know that it is, because in my mind, I've always believed if you work hard enough and you do the right things, and maybe I'm Pollyanna here, that your time will come. BYU's time has come. Another people's time came earlier, even though they didn't have to work. 
<laughs> they just they well fell, that was geography they fell into it and, were they fell into it in 19 you know oh seven or whatever when Iowa State and Kansas got in the league and so they're in the club now maybe they're yeah. about to be out of the club if that church leader down south who's pro am I going to be able to follow if this? he stayed <laughs> where were they would they come from Illinois or Missouri where'd they come from if they would have stayed All there in upstate New York. I know, but most recently. Then, well, then most recently, and I know the trail. See, and it's see, sort of ironic. BYU practically has gone coast to coast. Stop! <laughs> Why is that the thing that got your attention? Well, and the Big Twelve was is Midwestern centric, and they come from Missouri. Last. Yeah, they're just going home. They have been called home. That's all it is. If. The- they have been called home. That makes it sound like everybody died. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> what are you doing? No, you're coming to your reward. You're not being. You're not dead. You look at the negative. I look at the positive. That's the difference between me and you. Okay. You think they died? No, they're now receiving their eternal reward. They're going to the Big Twelve. It's the Big Twelve. Come on. Why don't you go play intramurals, brother? <laughs> <laughs> I'm too old now. <laughs> I'm going to play golf. <laughs> Tearing Achilles, blind hey, knee. It's the Big 12. It is. They're going to their eternal reward now. They're coming home. This is so prophetic. Underrated. I'm sure if you look deep in your scripture, you'll find this somewhere. Underrated in all of this is the Big 12 will finally have 12 teams. And hopefully Give me that, that copy of that. And I'm going to read it right now. It's probably in there somewhere. Hand it over, Yak. You've got another one. <laughs> we got one in your it's Division right? 1 football. It's the Big it's the Big 12. <laughs> it's UC Davis. It's the Big 12. I mean, come on. This is great news. They're finally getting what they've earned. They've earned this. If this comes to pass, and I'm not reporting it's final until it is, I believe it's going to happen, but things can change. We've seen it many times before. If this comes to pass, BYU will have earned it. They just... They didn't luck into it because some other team said no, like some other people I know. Now they the other four earned get, it. Are the other four going to squeeze the Big 12 out? What do you mean? Of the Power Five? Is it going to be the Power Four and the Alliance is going to have all the votes and these guys? Or are they going to go to this 12-team playoff and six league champs can get in and so the door will be wide open and I you can earn it? I don't it. know, but I hope so. I think that if you run through this new configured Big 12 undefeated, you should get serious consideration. You run through it with one loss, you should get serious consideration. Well, but that's... You have to... Other teams, uh, there may be uh, four no. undefeateds or... Uh, I don't, I don't right think... Now, I don't know that. I don't think this alliance, and I really think this is the prime reason the alliance exists, is to tell the SEC what the postseason's going to look like and who's going to broadcast it and not get squeezed out in an ESPN monopoly. Well, yeah, they don't, no one wants that's, that. That's really what they're the alliance, doing. alliance, folks. Yeah. They want they want to spread it around. They want to do like the NFL does. The NFL doesn't there's yep. not one exclusive nope. contract with any television nope. network. We'll take some money from CBS, yeah. we'll take some yeah. money from Fox, we'll take some money from ESPN ABC. Yeah. yeah, when the playoffs start, you have to search around what game what channel Which is it channel on? Which channel are we going to, right? Right. And so then you have to look. You have to, uh yeah, who's it going to be? And you uh, takes you a second, but you, if you're interested, you'll figure it out. Right. Uh, so, well, it's gotten to the point now that the leagues have enough power that they make the networks promote each other. 
I mean, you see it during the NBA playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. TNT's yeah. got to say when the ESPN yeah. games are. ESPN gives you the schedule for the TNT games, and they do the same thing in the NFL. Yeah. I, I personally don't care what network is on as long as I get it. Yeah. And I, I got freaking two things, uh, two right. satellite services to make sure I got it. Uh, so I, I watch them, and that's all I care about. Is it on? Is am I available to watch it? I'm good to go. So, yeah, I get that. that actually, that makes sense. Why would I want some monopoly that, I mean, ESPN... Let's. ESPN is an entertainment uh, organization. It is not a journalistic entity by any stretch. It's a subsidiary of Disney, yeah. and they are about the stock price. Yeah. And if you forget that, they will remind you right. quickly. It is inter- which is actually ESPN now is just morphed into what most of the news is. Journalism, as we know it, is dead. As far as I'm concerned, it's entertainment. You're there, whether you're Tucker Carlson or Rachel Maddow. You're there to draw viewers yes and once that's the case and i had journalism the journalism you speak about instead of going out advisory they should have that like they have in your rap stuff instead of going out and interviewing six people maybe they interview one and then they give you a big dose of their opinion yeah and that is not the network news or the sunday paper you grew up with and i and unfortunately it's bled into that stuff to where i have a high level of skepticism you just look at Fauci. Always have a high level of skepticism. But I didn't have it. It wasn't as high before. I, the, being on the inside, I trusted certain entities. Now I virtually trust no one because everybody's got an agenda. At least I know. At least I'd rather know. It's like I had that argument with Gordon when he wrote the piece on Holland. I'd rather know where he stands than not know. Then I can deal with it. If I disagree, great. If I agree, great. But I'd rather, he was saying, well, don't say it. Well, so believe it, but don't say it. I'd rather know where you stand. Then I can make my own judgment. Am I going to trust you or not? I might think you were kook or you went over the line or whatever. Then I get to make my own judgment. I don't have to have somebody making the judgment for me. Like Lester Holt. There's not fairness. We shouldn't put on some sides because we get to decide who gets to speak. What the heck was that? I want to decide. Should I listen to you or not? That's my decision. It's not your decision for me to make, Lester. No, I disagree completely. I mean, I realize there's some responsibility that you have to have and not every kook, but even that. You you start to get in some gray areas here. So, I understand. I agree completely. I don't want ESPN to have the soul, although I personally don't care as long as it's on. But I get, I completely get. Well, where I think some from. of the leagues are pretty sure that they weren't going to be on. I, I understand. If, they, if I understand. CBS and Fox in and aren't in on the postseason, why will they be in on the regular season? I got gotcha. you. And then yeah. the Pac-12 gets offered ESPN. We'll televise one game and we'll put it on ESPN two at eight thirty at night. Yeah. And the Pac-12's minimized. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're not doing that. No. And they call the ACC and they call the Big Ten and everybody's like, no, the SEC and ESPN are about to take us over. Yeah. That's what the alliance is really about. If they schedule some games along the way, great. And if they do some academic sharing, AAU, whatever, great. But they're here to make sure that the SEC doesn't dictate a college football world in which they are dramatically marginalized. I get it. But you got to look out for number one. Right. If you don't, no one else is. Right. And their real strength was banding together. Mm-hmm. And we'll see. We'll see what happens. Right. And I So w- now, Go ahead. When, all, when we get through all of that, the 12-game plan for the playoff, 
There's always unintended consequences, but it doesn't sound like a horrible idea. And they may still go ahead with it. I think the part they were objecting to was the part where ESPN got all 11 games without it ever going out to bid right, and squeezing right, right, out right. the other markets. Right, right. So once the other networks get in, there still may be a 12-team playoff. Six, The best six conference champs get in. And now, even though it's not a level playing field, even a San Jose State can say, hey, if we run the table, we can be one of the six best conference champs we can be in. And college football can be more open, more equitable, less elitist, and predetermined. Yeah, and that's the that's beauty the of the NCAA that, tournament. That's the thing that bugged me about Gundy. And he was asked a question, and he was speaking about a system that he didn't set up. So not to dump on him personally, but to look at the system. And BYU, now you're good enough to be part of the party. Well, you were good enough to be part of the party when you were beating Kansas State at the Cotton Bowl. They were top 10. Man, you were top 10. That's life. And what do you expect? Fairness? I mean, you want everybody? I mean, come on. I, mean, that doesn't, that doesn't, I want that, truth, justice, and the American way. It doesn't, what, what, and, bum, bum, and we bum, debate bum. for hours and hours what the American way is now. Yeah, right. So, yeah, BYU's been viewed this way for a long time, but they haven't actually been a Power 5 team. I mean, people can say Utah doesn't have a Power 5 team on their conference. You've said it, I've said it, a gazillion people have said it. Non-conference. Non-conference, yes. They don't have a Power 5 team on their non-conference. And that's not fair to the BYUs and the Boise States and the Houstons and the UCFs and Cincinnati's who build good programs. Heck, I'd put San Diego State in there. San Diego State at times, right? Under Rocky Long. Under Rocky Long, they were plenty good enough. Yeah. They were, he had really good teams there. He sent guys to the NFL. They had really good players. So, and we can probably list a couple sure, more teams. Sure, it's not unjust. I get it. Uh, but there's a million I know, but the, injustices in the world. Yeah. But to just come out and say that and just gloss over the injustice, and I'll say it now because it's convenient for me and it's what my league needs to say. I don't know. Seemed a little frustrating rooting for the little guy all this time. I take solace in the fact if I'm BYU, wait a second. Somebody okay. said it. Well, that's not where I was going, but yeah. They're, they're, they're acknowledged, and I think most people did acknowledge it. That's a program, BYU football. You've heard of it? Yes. I know at least some knowledge of what BYU football is about. It is a brand name. But like they did Saturday night in Vegas, is that they're better right now than Arizona. Five years from now, I don't know. But right now, they're yeah, clearly... The in fact, they went 3-0 and against them in the schedule. Yeah, they had so, a three-game deal in six years, and they won all three. But see, I, I think the fans, they get that. Well, somebody excluded us. We didn't come up short. So I think there's some level of satisfaction there. We were excluded. And BYU fans love, and but it's a both. lot of BYU folk in general, love to be persecuted. Because then they claim, well, you don't understand us, you don't like us, you're persecuting us. I mean, I think it goes way back. And so they they sort of revel in, in the way that the administration and the church leaders, we don't pay top dollar, look at us, as that's like a sign of good instead of being a sign of cheap. <laughs> they actually revel in that. That makes no sense to me. We pay substandard wages. Yeah, family on three. I mean, what the <laughs> hell? It doesn't make any sense to me. Pony up, boys. You got it. <laughs> so spend it. Yeah, we hear they do. So, yeah, 
And, and I can't tell you how many coaches have I, they've literally said to me, BYU is so cheap. And it's guys that have been throughout the decades, because I'm coming up on three decades in this community, and they know darn well they can trust me 100%, and I will never, ever give them up. And so they tell me stuff, and BYU gets off on that. Well, I also believe that they enjoyed, we're not in, but we can beat you. Because they know they're not in through uh, a lack of merit. It's, this is just why, call, for all the greatness of college football, it's why it sucks. TCU merited before they got it. Utah merited before they got it. Boise State's merited, and they still don't have it yet. And it looks like BYU's about to cross, cross the threshold, and that should be a lot of fun for us. should be good for our show. should be good for all the media in town and the fans in town. Uh, yeah, yeah, and who cares about us? I mean, it's more about them. Yeah. And they deserve it, man. They're going to get what they earned. And look at your phone right now. I mean, come on. We can't even repeat what we just got. I'm looking at it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, we can't. But that's an excellent source who would know. Yeah. Who's been on the inside, who just sent us five words, and the fourth one cannot be uttered on the and radio. And I've heard that. 15 <laughs> coaches, outgoing coaches. Multiple sports? Yeah. Head yeah. coaches and assistant coaches? Yeah. Yeah. So good for them, man. They're the, the, and, and there's something to be said for rooting for the little guy. Which is I've done it, my, I've done it was, my whole life. Yeah, I get it. And I view myself as the little guy. I and it's why it's, it's why it's so frustrating. The whack was plenty good enough. And then when they were playing high-scoring games and people used it to dismiss it, in the 80s and 90s. Oh, but wacky, the Big wack, 12 it's not real football. Now the, BYU, now the Big 12's doing it, and Oklahoma's great. Tulane gets put, the Oklahoma, they put 35 on them. And they had the ball with a chance to win. But the Pac-12 sucks. Right. Oklahoma's mm-hmm. awesome. Come on. Sure, they're awesome. But the we don't distribute praise equally. We distribute it where we want. And you see it all. It's on social media every freaking day. Well, look at this group. They said this. Oh, look at this group. Yeah. And if this group criticizes this group, then this group goes back at that group when they said something four years ago. And my head is spinning all day long. And it's the same thing here in college sports. So I try to divorce myself from that and then just enjoy the competition. It was fun sitting in the press box on Saturday and seeing the cats come out and the uh, 5,000 U of A fans cheer and seeing the uh, the Cougars come out and 45,000, whatever they had, uh, BYU fans cheer. I just try to enjoy that, that aspect of it and let the other crap just f- settle where it may. I enjoyed watching San Diego State run out, and 22 San Diego State fans went crazy. Where oh, <laughs> there was nobody at the game. Oh, and Carson, yeah, okay, but you got to yeah. give him a pass We're, this year. You fans, if you go down there, <laughs> it's going to be the weirdest thing you've ever seen. Yeah, I think you got to give him a pass, though. I get it. I mean, yeah. this is this is the most unusual situation. Right. Two yeah. hours away. Come on, who's done that? Yeah. That's not what you do unless you absolutely have to, and they absolutely have yeah. to. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are talking rivalry game with Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver. He joins us in 15 minutes right here on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. The Big Show, the Big Show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. 
Football Fridays. Coach McElema Harrington. If BYU and Utah played last year, BYU would have won. So that would be one out of ten years or whatever? No, that's one in a row. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Forget about the last ten yeah. years. So all the Utah folks hated the arrogant players like a little Why are you down at BYU. At like that? Well, yeah, because BYU walk into your stadium like they owned it. They've got their noses up. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're going to play your dogs today, you know, whatever. And every dog has his day, Alema. Yeah. Now, when I walk into your stadium, I'm going to walk in like I own your place. BYU had a long reign, and now Utah says BYU's in our hindsight. We don't worry about them, and I think the older Utah fans love them. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, in the Zone Sports Network. Join the Big Show Friday at the warehouse from 2 to 7 p.m. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! <clears throat> Dylan Colley, Cougar BYU, Cougar uh, wide receiver, former BYU st- player for uh, one year after transferring in. He is going to join us. He got a taste of the rivalry. We'll talk with him about that in a moment. What is your biggest question going into the game? People always want to know what happens. Who wins? It's always cool. <laughs> is that really a question in your mind? Because you're picking Utah in a heartbeat. I am. Well, I said I'm going to go with Utah until I see otherwise. And then at the same time, uh, after watching both games, I'm reinforced to pick Utah, knowing that crazy things happen. If BYU wins this game, I'm not stunned by any stretch. This is not Montana, Washington. It just isn't. I thought BYU would look a little better than they did against Arizona, but I'm basing it on such a small sample size. And Jaron Hall, I think I had to step back a little bit in my mind because I expected more. Not that I expected necessarily more out of him completely. They were happy. Uh, speaking to the coaches uh, off the record, they were, they were happy with uh, his performance, knowing that he needs to get better, but thinking, man, he was amped up. Local kid here, replacing the number two pick in a draft uh, Expecting big things, P5 opponent, blah, blah, blah. So I think that clearly they could be sharper. I expect yeah, they but will. More, but more games are lost than are won, and he didn't make the mistakes. And that's the one thing that they're excited about. Right, yeah. and he didn't make the mistakes. Others, so you right. can build on that no and question. make more big plays. He didn't turn the ball over. Right. He didn't turn it over. He was Kyle Whittingham's dream. And he made some big plays. I mean, he hit on the big touchdown pass. Uh-huh. And he had a nice run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he'll get better, but I think Utah overall has a little more talent. So, yeah, I think individually, um, I, I think that, well, and I don't think this, I know this, that the Cougars thought they'd be able to run the ball better. And if they can't run the ball against Utah and Hall's one-dimensional against, or the team's one-dimensional, oh, and you. it's yeah. all on Hall against that defense, then Utah's the pick. Yeah, well, I'm picking them. Right. Yeah. I, you know, I guess the most intriguing matchup that I want to see, and there's several, I want to see BYU's receivers, which includes tight ends, against the coverage of Utah. But I'm a guy who likes to see the ball in the air all the time anyway. So to me, that's fun. So I want to see what this pass defense can do now maybe I won't really get a chance because Utah's front they'll get in Hall's face and it won't be fair to judge that but I'm excited to see because I think that even with Romney out if the Nakua brothers are back 
They're talented football players for sure. If they're back, combined with Powell, combined with more usage of the tight ends, what can that coverage of Utah do? They've got some promising kids in the secondary. Lloyd is one of the best linebackers in the country. There's no doubt about it. My goodness, he's really good. And so what are they going to do? You know, what, what do they do with him? And how does Utah defend that uh, in terms of putting him, you know, applying pressure on the quarterback? or dropping back and all that type of thing. So I think that's the number one storyline for me that I'm going to be looking at and going to find real fascinating is who wins that battle, who has more success, defending the pass or completing the pass. Andrew Reinhardt, Wasatch Medical Clinic. Join us right now, the breakthrough treatment that does not involve a pill, injections, or surgery. Andrew, why are men so hesitant to get their ED taken care of when it doesn't involve a pill, injections, or surgery? Well, maybe they don't know about us yet, uh, but guys that struggle with erectile dysfunction, I think, are a little bit embarrassed, and some would rather the relationship suffer and uh, intimate moments kind of disappear than go and face the problem. Just think about this. In two to three weeks, you could be done with our treatments at Wasatch Medical. The acoustic wave opens up and regrows the blood vessels. What would your relationship look like if erectile dysfunction were no longer an issue, if you didn't have to take the pills? That's a pretty great thing for relationships. So when the patients get the results, what are you hearing from them down the road? I think it's generally a stress reliever to not have to take the pill. Uh, It seems like when things go well in the bedroom, they go well outside of the bedroom too. So The relationship improves. The spouse is happier. Uh, Overall sense of self-worth is significantly better. Ultimately, this has a huge ripple effect on life. So you've got a special offer. Tell the listeners about it. Call us now. Uh, If you're struggling with erectile dysfunction, if you want to finally treat the root cause, uh, the assessment exam and blood flow ultrasound with our doctor, that's free. You can leave your wallet at home. There's zero obligation to any of this. You get a gift uh, worth the trip. It produces powerful results in the bedroom. And if, if you feel like you need it, blood work and testosterone to our patients is free as well. Guys, you can put a stop to your D by calling Wasatch Medical right now to claim that offer at 801-901-8000. Call Andrew at 801-901-8000. That's 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, guys. DJ and PK, 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to talk rivalry game with Dylan Cauley, the former BYU wide receiver. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Dylan, good morning. Good morning, fellas. How are we doing? We're doing well. So I am curious, your takeaway after the Arizona game Where is BYU better than you thought? Where are they worse than you thought? Where are they exactly who you thought they were? I think everything was uh, pretty consistent across the board, right? I think we all thought that there were going to be some, you know, first game jitters and experiences that kind of, you know, were good and bad. And um, to say one area is worse than I thought it would be, I think would kind of be a level of disrespect, especially only one game in. But I think – I, Jaron played how I expect in a first game. The receivers played extremely well. I mean, I think across the board, the amount of depth there 
and, you know, guys kind of coming in and out, right? Uh, everyone made an impact where they needed to uh, all across the board. And so, so that was big. Um, I'd say the defense, you know, played extremely well. You can tell there is a lot of speed and, and they're extremely physical, um, which is, which is huge and, and huge going into a game like this week. So, uh, it was, a, it was a good game all around. You remember when uh, Aaron Roderick first got to BYU, I was talking to him one day after practice, and he's just talking about the talent level on the offense. And one of the guys he singled out, I remember this specifically, was Neil Pau. And he said that Neil Pau was as good as any receiver he had had at a Utah. And uh, for whatever reason, you know, we haven't seen it to the level that I thought we would see it. But we certainly saw it Saturday, and I believe you were a teammate of his. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do you evaluate his level of talent at? Yeah, I mean, Neil, from the very get-go, Neil's played a lot of football, right? Um, he's been around for a minute. And so he is a guy who I think originally, and the reason we haven't seen it is the same reason that you don't see it from a lot of guys early on, is, is that level of confidence and having someone that gives you 100% kind of that belief, Right. Um, if you don't have a supporting cast like coaches who are going to kind of put their faith in you, right, you, you question it. There's the, the confidence barrier. And so early on, there were a lot of things going on, especially with the transition from coaching and things like that. I think Neil knows, and obviously Fess and Aaron have, have trusted him for a while. Um, there were obviously other coaches on the staff who – um, I believe inhibited uh, Neil's ability to truly play at 100% confidence. But now that you know the guys in charge, the guys who have taken the reins, have 100% faith in Neil, you're going to see a lot of success come from Neil. And he's truly kind of able to play at the level he's capable of. Neil's one of the most athletic people you'll ever be around. Um, the guy's a phenomenal basketball player. He's an unbelievable football player. Right, you saw every facet of the game be played by Neil this weekend, including throwing the ball. Right, yeah, uh, which is something he prides himself on, <laughs> deservedly so. And so, I think uh, you know he's kind of he's kind of kicking the gate wide open, um, and a lot of that has to do with who trusts him and and where he stands in the offense as kind of the, the leader of the receiver room. I was surprised the tight ends weren't more productive. Do you think there's any explanation for that? Sometimes it's just the way a game goes. There's always the theory that a coach is holding something back for game two, especially when it's a rivalry game. Maybe it's something else. Yeah, uh, to be honest, I, 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 we were having that same conversation in the house this weekend. And, um, you know, between Isaac and, and Dallin Holker, you have two, and I think I talked about this last week, right? You have two tight ends that are equipped to be extremely good Division One receivers. Right to play just receiver, but they're also extremely physical. And I think, you know, um, to say, you know, maybe not showing all of the cards and maybe just ensuring that, hey, let's get these guys in the trenches. Let's get them physical. I don't think Isaac has had the load in regards to being in the box and and blocking um, experience that, uh, you know, he didn't get much of that last year. Right. And so, you know, I think, Maybe just getting everybody warm um, was was probably a priority, and then not having to show as many cards and, and the way that they're going to use them and the ability that they have to use them in the Utah game was was a big part of it. But to be honest with you, probably my worst 
take uh, over the last year since we've been doing this is, you know, knowing, you know, giving you a good enough answer on, on why the tight ends weren't utilized. Um, but those are those are kind of my guesses. So, Dylan, I find what you just said uh, in the prior uh, response fascinating in terms of regard and with regard to Neil Pau, as far as his ability. Plus, you need coaches to believe in you, and uh, that opens up the possibility of guys having talent but coaches not believing in them for whatever reason. What would be reasons to believe or not to believe in players? Yeah, I I think a big part of that is the way in which coaches express their trust in players um, is very different, right? That was something, to be honest with you, that I struggled with in a lot of different areas. There was a lot of questions of of insecurity in terms of who was confident in me and who wasn't. for a long time, right? I think if you look at my career at Hawaii, uh, my freshman year, you know, there was questions of kind of confidence, um, you know, and, and obviously coming off my mission and was I doing what I was expected to be doing? And so there was some inconsistent play, right? Especially towards the last half of the season once Coach Chow uh, was let go. And then my sophomore year, um, we brought in Kefensa Hinson, who's I've, who I've talked about multiple times on here. Uh, who's now the receivers coach at Oregon State. And building that trust was huge for me. And he put a lot of confidence into me all the way up until I left it to go to, to come back to BYU. And you saw it in my play throughout my sophomore and junior year and the way I kind of accelerated and grew. So um, with you know those types of kind of positive reinforcements, and each player is different in the way that they want to be coached, right? I am a perfectionist. Neil is a guy who, you know, is a perfectionist when it comes to playing the receiver position and being the best on the team. And so, you know, Neil's the type of guy that needs that, that uh, affirmation um, in, in the same way that many, many receivers do. And if you're not getting that or the guy in charge apparently, right, and the guy in charge apparently isn't giving that, uh, it's very hard to feel your worth as a receiver. Um, because you rely on so much. I mean, it's not just like a quarterback or a running back where it's, hey, I don't need to worry about the center to quarterback exchange. I don't need to worry about just getting the ball handed to me. There's so many other facets of playing receiver where you could be the best guy on the team and only getting a target or two a game, right? Because you rely on so many other facets. And so the least people can do, if you have a phenomenal football player, if you have an extremely good receiver – the ability to really show them on a regular basis, hey, you're playing great, you're doing phenomenal, I know we didn't get the ball to you, right? but I need you to know that we do trust you. Um, and so that's, a, that's an entire conversation that I think wasn't taking place prior. Um, and now with the guys holding on to the keys, they're doing a, a phenomenal job of that. How much of that comes down to there's someone else that they just trust more, and with everything going on, that's where the attention goes. And a quarterback has a relationship with a guy and trusts a guy. And how much of it is the quarterback as opposed to the coach? Well, oh, one, no, this is, that is 100%. And that's why the key part of that is, you know, these are a lot of the things that take place with a best player, right? Um, you know, or a top three guy in the receiver room. Like, those top three guys in the receiver room need to know that they are appreciated, 
Um, and yeah, a lot of that can do with the receiver or the receiver quarterback. But once again, if you're an extremely good receiver, you know that the quarterback is your best friend. And so there shouldn't be any issues with you and the quarterback. Like that is, that is prime relationship 101. There's only two guys you focus on on a daily basis to make sure that they've got all the snacks, treats, <laughs> right, errands run. And that is, that is your quarterback and the equipment manager, right? As long as those two guys are taken care of, you're going to be pretty happy. <laughs> so that relationship between quarterback and receiver obviously is very important as you're referring it to. Romney goes down, the Nakua brothers didn't play. Uh, Kalani comes out and says Monday that he, oh, I actually think he said it Saturday night down in Vegas, I was there, that, uh, that he expects them to play. But in a sense, because we've already seen the Hall to Pau connection. You think that Neil has a leg up now in establishing the trust of Jaron Hall. And that just actually with the timing, which Neil's been there, right? Neil's been on part of the team longer than Jaron has. And so, you know, you're always going to have that anchor. That's what makes transferring so difficult. No matter who you are, no matter what relationships you had. I mean, you talk about, transferring into a situation that you thought that I thought right uh, was going to be just absolutely, you know, mixing butter. Uh, you know, a lot of those things don't happen because there's other, uh, other aspects and, you know, um, and so, you know, to say that uh, Neil, Neil has the upper hand no matter what in that situation. So, scout the Utes. You probably saw some or all of the Weber State game. What is the biggest problem they present to the Cougars? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, 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 go yeah, ahead. Yeah. I can hear you. Yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. That was weird. Uh, sorry, so you, said, you asked about the, the Utes? Yeah, scout them. What is the biggest problem they present to the Cougars? Their defense. It will always be the defense. Um, I think athletically, on the outside, BYU meets them um, strongly. I think that there isn't a gap there. I think that over the top, BYU size, when you look at the receivers, um, and hopefully Samson and you know Puka and Neil can all go out there and be a part of it uh, on a more active basis. And I think they measure up very, very strongly, if not better than the the Utah defensive backs. Um, but when we talk about the defensive line and that box with those linebackers, um, you know, I think for 10 years, <laughs> there's been very few teams, especially in the Pac-12, that do it better. And so it is going to be a uh, – it's going to be a tough one, you know, for that offense to be able to get everything together and make sure they're playing at their top their top level. I mean, this isn't a, this is, you're playing this game at 98%. You cannot be that 2%, you know, you can have, you're going to have mistakes. Things aren't going to be perfect, but this is a game where you need to be as close to perfect as possible. Yeah, I think that was one thing that the coaches were extremely pleased with the Jaron Hall is there were zero turnovers. 
So you think now that uh, he showed that he can take care of the ball. He made good decisions there. And I don't, I'm trying to remember, I don't think there was anything close that was a possible interception that went off a hand or whatnot. It looked like uh, either it was to his guy or was on the turf. Uh, with that in mind, how much more aggressive do you think that BYU's offensive philosophy will be knowing that there's a level of trust that Jaron can take care of the ball? Yeah, I, I think it's you're going to see a lot of it. And that's the big, you know, Jaron isn't uh, scared. Jaron isn't afraid. I don't think A-Rod is scared or afraid. I think what you have is a very, very thought-provoking quarterback, right, who is going to do his best to make the right decision. Um, and when you have that and you know you know, the first, the, the biggest part of trust when it comes to selecting a quarterback is are you going to put us in positions to win or are you going to put us in positions to lose with your choices? Um, not your talent, not your ability, right? But when you have choices, what are you going to do with those? And Jaron will always be a guy who puts you in the best position to win with his decisions. Um, he's cool-minded, right? He's extremely athletic. You can trust his legs, just like you saw on Saturday. And so, I think they can really they can really open it up. Um, you know, they can they can really open up the entire offensive playbook. I mean, the rest of the season, do you really have anything that you are kind of right or dying on? Right? Yes, you have a ton of big games, and you have a ton of big opportunities to go in and to win power five conference games and show that you deserve to be in a power five conference. But this game is this game's it. Right. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to say, Hey, let's go in here at 110% and uh, make sure we can get this one under, our, under, you know, under our belt and we'll go in knowing that we can compete with anybody the rest of the season. So does so, this, does the streak end here? I believe so. I think it's going to be an extremely tough game, and it's going to come down. It's going to be chances are a last second, a last second hoorah. But um, I firmly believe that that this streak ends here. All right, that's what I want to hear, brother. <laughs> now, there's a lot of prayer and a lot of faith going into that, and potentially some fasting. But I firmly believe that. <laughs> Well, what's interesting now is you're an alumni. You're not that far removed, but you are an alum of BYU and obviously the Collie family. You know, it's kind of sort of right there with Kafusi's in terms of uh, the connection Mm -hmm. to BYU that runs very, very deep going back many, many years. And so as an alum now, from a different perspective, how much does this streak bother you? Oh, it's bothered me since day one. Right. Um, I am not a... uh like I'm, I'm a big BYU fan, right? I, I have been for a very long time. Um, you know, there are uh, there are very, very few. You know, I'm not like a diehard of anybody or anything. Um, but and I try not to let sports get a, a huge portion of my thought process and feelings and emotions. Now, um, this will always be something that bothers me uh, until it's broken. And once it's broken, then I will be able to rest easy. And whatever happens after that, if Utah goes on another five-year streak, if they go on another, you know, eight-year streak, it's one thing. But 
we need to break this one because I think this is where this is a wall that's been standing in front of BYU for a very long time, and I think it's more critical than than people think, uh, especially for the mental confidence of a football team and a program and and where the future lies. Um, this is it's a big one, and I think if BYU wins this game, right, you'll start to see that respect put back on BYU's name when it comes to the Utah BYU rivalry because the uh, the nonsense of you know who's Utah's rival, um, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and trying to think of all the oh Colorado and USC and you know that's that's all wrong and that's all fake and I think. When it comes down to it, everybody knows BYU is, is Utah's biggest rival and vice versa. And the only way to really crush all of that narrative is is to end the streak this weekend. Dylan, as always, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week and uh, listen to the station for the next day or two, and you'll hear yourself over and over because uh, we've been notified you've already made the promo for today, regardless of whatever else happens in the show. <laughs> Done. That's my goal every week. <laughs> Make the promo. All right, thanks a lot. We appreciate it, Dylan. All right, yep, have a good day. Dylan Colley, former BYU wide receiver, the Colleys. You love them, PK. Well, everybody does, but yeah, I do especially. We've always spoken their mind. I appreciate that. Absolutely appreciate it, 100%. 100%, man. And then when you combine uh, the, the high-level talent with a guy who's willing to speak his mind like Austin, you got yourself a media dream right there. <laughs> And Dylan, he's right there. I, I think he sounds like Austin. And, you know, he wasn't 6'2 like his brother was, but I thought he had obviously had some talent. He showed it in the bowl game there. But I appreciate his ability to speak his heart and do it in a manner that is uh, has authority behind it and is representative of what he believes in. Whether you disagree with him or not, that's up to you. But the way he says it, he says it in such a concise manner that you have to respect it. Time to bring in Andrew Reinhardt from the Wasatch Medical Clinic. And Andrew, Cambridge University recently conducted a study on the uh, treatments that you're providing. You want to share the details of that with folks? Yes, this is uh, one of 50 studies done on our technology, uh, testing it on men with erectile dysfunction. The Cambridge study, I think, is interesting because they took a group of men that uh, were no longer even responding to pills. So I'm kind of assuming severe ED, maybe a lot of health conditions. And every guy they tested got some kind of increase in blood flow. No side effects. This is really cool stuff. This technology repairs blood vessels. It treats erectile dysfunction at its core. And it's helping a lot of guys out there turn back the clock in the bedroom. Why do you guys want to stop taking the pill? I think mostly because of the side effects. They have to take more and more of it as time goes on. Uh, and the lack of spontaneity is a big one. Uh, couples don't want to plan intimate moments or schedule them. Uh, that's what you have to do with the pill. Our treatments allow for on-demand function. So when the timing is right in the bedroom, the blood flows where you want it, when you want it. And you got a special offer for folks who call you today. We do, and this is a lot of value. We believe in it. Uh, if you're struggling with ED, if you want to get the relationship back on track, call us in the assessment exam and blood flow ultrasound with our doctors free. Uh, the gift that produces powerful results in the bedroom 
that's worth the trip. And if you feel like you've got a need for testosterone, uh, we do the blood work and provide the testosterone to our patients totally free as well. Guys, you can put a stop to your D by calling 801-901-8000 and get that free offer right now. Call Wasatch Medical at 801-901-8000. Andrew, standing by at 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, guys. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. The Holy War is here. Kalani Sataki and the Cougars look to snap Utah's winning streak at Lavelle Edwards Stadium on Saturday. Your home for the best Holy War coverage is right here on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Oh, it's an old John McKay quote. I was kidding. It was tongue-in-cheek. It wasn't funny. It's, a, it's, an old, it's an old John McKay quote that he used after the game. Um, so I was, I was talking and, and, you know, making a joke about it. Why it was taken serious? Are you people crazy? It's a John McKay quote that he used after a game. I was stealing one of his old quotes and being funny. I guess nobody likes to be funny anymore. So, yeah, if you want to take me to town on that, please do. <laughs> That's Notre Dame coach Brian Kelly. He started out so happy about it, then just got more. There's 20 more seconds angry. of our life we can't get well, back. I, I think his approach should have been it was a John McKay line. I thought it worked. It didn't. See, once you admit you you were wrong, I don't want to say screwed up because it's too strong. In this case, but, you weren't funny. Yeah. Then, right. Okay, you tried. It didn't work. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right. You, yeah, What's you, more annoying that he thought that was going to be funny, or that nobody knows it's a John McKay line and they're making a big deal out of it? It's a tough call, isn't it? Both those things are true. It is a John McKay line. It's a famous line. Look it up. He didn't come up with it. It fell flat. Whatever. Move okay, on. Okay, so that's it. It fell I, flat. I thought it would be funny. Turns out it yeah, wasn't. And it then wasn't. everybody's going to say, basically, you're, you're apologizing, and we're all human beings. And if that's the greatest mistake you make this season, wow. I know. It's not that big a deal. It wasn't funny. It was awkward. It was awkward. It's still I was watching it and I thought, oh, that didn't work. I mean, immediately. <laughs> no, I, know. I, don't, I don't know if you but were you watching also, it at the I time. wasn't watching it when it happened. Yeah. Yeah. But, mm, that didn't work. But you also knew that John McKay had uttered that line, and it's been written and repeated hundreds of times since he said it. And he said it 45 years ago. His team lost 20, 26 games in the NFL as an expansion team before they won their first one. They were terrible. Yeah, back when you couldn't just get free agents and, left and yeah, right. Yeah, you couldn't turn things around. And he was coming from USC where he had won a lot. And he was struggling oh, with 26 straight losses. Oh, yeah, big time. National titles, Heisman Trophy winners. His USC teams were he very He was the good. Frank Cush of California. <laughs> Frank Cush was the John McKay of Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> we talked a lot of rivalry game and USC under McKay famously lost a game to Notre Dame and he said we'll never lose those guys again and they didn't lose until McKay was gone is that going to happen with he Kyle? right yeah under your theory that Kyle is I mean it's year 17 so it's also obvious math but he's he's much closer to the end than he is the beginning but since they're not playing the next couple of years even if Kyle coaches another five or six years he's not going to play him that Ooh, many more yeah, times let's see you know and if he only plays if he only coaches three or four more years 
this could be his last or next to last rivalry game. If I had to guess, I would say he would be the coach in 2024. Yeah. I mean, I can't guarantee that. He'll Nobody announce it on his own time. Nobody guarantees anything, and he has the right to change his mind. And But I think whatever. that he will be coaching that year. Uh, that sets up... Uh, it's hard to say what the conditions of the program are going to be, because BYU now is about to undergo a major change. You'd think, right? Yeah. You would think that this would... And I know the people out there who will say, well, you get into the Big 12 and that's great, but BYU's core group is still who they are. Well, maybe they lose fewer of the top LDS players, and transfers are such... Man, if we didn't learn that this past weekend, we got to knock it through our thick skulls here. Transfers are a big part of the deal, and we've seen it with BYU basketball. You can get players to come in for one year. The player might not come in as a freshman, might be more than willing to come in as a senior. Oh, particularly at BYU and particularly a non-LDS kid. Right. Because you can explain to them, you're, you're coming here and you're going to play Oklahoma State, you're going to play Kansas, you're going to play Texas yep. Tech, you're going to play Baylor, and you're going to have 20,000 people here. Because for the next, whenever it happens, because I don't know, I, I, it's probably going to take two years for them to be a full-fledged playing the conference uh, the schedule, maybe sooner, maybe next year, but probably I, I would guess too, but I don't know that. I'm just guessing. No one's told me that. Uh, the point I'm making is the Marriott Center on conference home games is going to be electric. It already is pretty good. It's going to be even better. Right. But everything we've seen with the basketball program, we're going to see with football now. Don't you think? As far as tra- the ability to get transfers to come in, yeah, 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 this yeah. Is, it's going to open it up. You're going to go. Right. The, it's the Big Twelve. Yeah, I mean, you're going to get in there. Yeah, yeah. And this is great for BYU, and it was great for Utah too. Kyle's told you a thousand times we gotten in the doors we never got into before. We get Jalen Johnson to choose Utah over Oklahoma and SC. The the results are obvious. They had nine guys drafted the one year, and then all the defensive team. They used to struggle at linebacker. Now they got pros at linebacker left and right. Yes, so it's obvious, man. You see, sometimes you can't see your kid grow. Uh, your cousin from Oshkosh Ken, when he comes into town and sees him, hey, your kid, he went from five ten to six four in a heartbeat. You probably didn't see it, but the rest of us, whenever we, I didn't see him that much, but when I saw him, wow, this kid's really tall. Yeah. So it's hard to notice, and we're in the middle of it. But step back, the same thing is going to happen to BYU. They're going to get players that they didn't get before, and they're still going to rely on their recruiting base for sure. And I, and I think that they're going to be able to – the transfer portal is just set up for BYU because you get – there's a massive difference between a freshman and a junior and senior. And that junior and senior is going to come in, okay, they've got some quirky rules here, but I'm not going to be here forever. And I can tell you some stuff that uh, they're told when they go home for the summer just – We'll leave it at that, but uh, then come back and, and be ready to go, and they know how to negotiate it. it they're not that outrageous uh, of the rules, and so uh, well, they, they've got the internet. They're not Amish. hey <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> that was Uriah Leia Tower. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is so dope, man. It's dope. He loves dope. <laughs> internet is dope. <laughs> So they've got that. So, so does, yeah, I'm excited for them. 
So does BYU break through now? We spoke with Frank Dolce earlier this morning, Dylan Colley earlier this morning. Dylan stuck with the alma mater and said, the streak ends here. Was there enough conviction? Did you believe it? Did you believe that he believed it? I believe he, he say it because it. he had to say it. No, I certainly, I, I believe he had to say it, sure. I think he wants it, no question. He played there, everybody in his family. Yeah, he said he's a fan. I think his yeah. mother played BYU football, for all I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they, they seemed like they all did. But <laughs> That'd be a story. I think we'd know if that had happened. Uh, so, But I think he believes it, yeah. I, I think that they're in the best position to win since uh, Hill's senior year, Taysom Hill, and they didn't play last year. I mean, they, they probably would've they would have been, been in a great position to win last year. Yeah, I don't know if they would have won, but they, given the fact that Utah needed a second to reload, and they have, uh, you know, maybe they could have got them, but it didn't happen, so it doesn't matter anyway. All right, we've talked a lot about that this morning. Kyle Whittingham went through another press conference on Monday, avoiding the letters B, Y, and U, even though they are playing said school. And that led to the question in the morning, <laughs> why, does, uh, why does Kyle do that while Kalani says he roots for Utah unless they're playing BYU? Well, one's a nice guy. <laughs> Is this just left over from Kyle and Bronco got on each other's nerves big time and Kyle didn't like Bronco and BYU because of it? But once he staked out the ground on BYU, he wasn't going back on it just because the coaches changed. Because then it would be obvious it's uh, about Bronco, and he doesn't want questions about that. So just stick with the whole BYU rivalry. I, I think there's more to it. I think that they heard a lot of crap. The family heard a lot of crap, and it bugged them. His family, they still have Provo roots, mm-hmm. Provo real estate, in some cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His brother's daughter was the basketball secretary. Worked in the basketball office anyway. When you walk in, she was there. Mm-hmm. I haven't been down there in over a year. I don't know if she still was. I lo- I walked in. I said, I know who you are. <laughs> How do you know? Because I see you after the games in the interview room. <laughs> so I didn't know your name, but I knew your last name. And I knew who your dad was. Because I saw you. They sat over there to the left of us. Yeah. So uh, so we had a little conversation, yeah. So, and, and it's a small community, and I think they heard some stuff that ruffled their feathers in the way that Max Hall heard some stuff. So you get personal stuff in there, and you take it to heart, and you end up hating that, blah, 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 and you build it up, yada, yada. I mean, on your deathbed, it ain't gonna matter. But for now, I think it's legitimate, and it's real. And it's it's important for Utah to win this game. Because they're already getting beat. The fact is, both schools are getting beat on top-tier talent in this state. Can't argue that. So you, you don't want to get beat to them. Then you're, you're getting beat by all these other schools, and you're getting beat to the, by them? Oregon's coming in. Oregon's coming in and getting who they want. Stanford's coming in and getting pretty good well, players. USC's now starting to make at a run. At different times, USC and UCLA have gotten players, right? USC just came in and got a high-level quarterback. For sure. He won the backup gig. As of right now, and it could change, obviously, but as of right now, he's the leading candidate to start next year, provided Slovis goes to the NFL. 
and it's still a long way to go. And I'm figuring if you can start a quarterback at SC, you'll probably start at BYU or Utah. And then it comes down to, well, okay, you didn't get him, but who do you got? And if you got somebody who's really good, what difference does it make? So it's not like it's an insurmountable task you can't overcome. But nonetheless, you don't want guys, you guys in leaving your backyard to go to a school where you got to try and beat them, and it's going to be difficult. Well, yeah, absolutely. There's no, no, uh, no doubt about it. And now Corner Canyon is starting to just be a big bit, not starting, they're already there, a they're big a time power. Right. And how many guys are you getting from there? One. Yeah. Utah got Fillinger. After Texas changed their coordinator. Woo! Close call there. It was, exactly, yeah. But you got him. And they've got this stud receiver now who I have been told, I haven't spoken to the kid, but I've been told he's a heavy Stanford lean. Not the first time you've lost a receiver from Salt Lake County to Stanford. No. Stop it. I don't blame those kids. Not at all. Not Stanford golden ticket. Willie Wonka time. 0%. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're BYU in Utah, you got to find a way to keep some of this talent at home. Because you need Right. Particularly if they're LDS. And I assume the kid is because his brother's on a mission. I haven't spoke to him at all about his... You know whatever his beliefs are, I don't know, but I'm assuming that the 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 other the older boy who was the quarterback there a couple of years ago is is uh, he's serving a mission. He's going he's going to an Ivy League school. Then he's going to Yale, like a nine point four GPA or something. Yep, he's going to be going to Yale. Yeah, why not nine point five? Come on now. Uh, I don't because then he'd be at Harvard. Yeah, I don't. Uh. Know. <laughs> yeah. He's going to Yale to play football. That's a win. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, maybe he'll be the next Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ooh, you never know. Yeah. Then where, where did Fitzpatrick go? Did he go to Yale or Harvard? I think he went to Yale. He's, you know, he's Harvard. Oh, he's I, Harvard? I, I yeah. thought he was a Harvard. Harvard. Yeah. Harvard. He's a, a Phoenix kid. I know that. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, that's a lot of what we have been talking about this morning. When we come back, your feedback, stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Hell yeah, we've been Power 5 before Utah. Coast to coast. (laughs) That's a reaction to the question of the day. How can you argue with Oklahoma State coach Mike Gundy, who says coast to coast people view BYU as a Power 5 team? Keyword, view. No. Not, not the same as being a fire, power five Keyword, team. Keyword, coast to coast. <laughs> That's a phrase, not a word. <laughs> well, it's got hyphens, so it's close enough. Cronkite spinning in his grave. Come on, you learned, you learned well, better concre- at Arizona State. Concrete. Concrete. <laughs> Has got a smile on his face. Coast to coast. Ear to ear. He's thinking, PK... Thank you. People view BYU as a Power 5 team. But you can't have the money, you can't have the status, you can't have the respect, and you can't have the access to the playoffs. Okay, system. yeah, but Oklahoma and Texas, they didn't even view themselves as the maximum, so they took off. So you've got the upper level, there's discrimination between. Why wouldn't Oklahoma certainly be viewed as the highest and be getting maximum dollars? They weren't, so they went to the SEC to get the even more cash. Yes, so they come did. come on. 
It reminds Utah, me. Utah and BYU get across the line after Texas decides whatever they're going to do with their fate. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> That's what it comes down to. It is. And we're biased because we're sitting here, but we thought 20 years ago Utah and BYU should be across the line. Certainly 15 years I ago. Maybe not 20 I... for the Utes, okay. but 15 for the Utes. 15 years ago, they already had the Fiesta Bowl and back-to-back conference titles and were beating teams, so... BYU's got everything, or excuse me, Utah's got everything it needs. It's got a beautiful stadium, beautiful, if they could ever play a day game there in October, you can see, I don't know if... Boy, uh, it's the last time they played a day game in October. Is that that Washington game, maybe? That was a day game. It's been a, it's been a while. Uh, I can remember they played Arizona State in October mm-hmm. a few years back, and we're walking up the ramp, and I'm walking up with Liz Abel, the old uh, longtime... Uh, sports information associate athletic director and she looked at me and it was it was about uh, four four o'clock ish and she said man i just forgot how beautiful this place is i said i agree a hundred percent yeah this is just an absolutely gorgeous environment it's you know by october we got the smoke to crap out of here and we didn't have it then and it was a day game and it was it, it's just absolutely spectacular. You sit up there, you in the press box, you look at the mountains to the right, you turn around, you see the lake back there. It's just tremendous. Everything that they need to be successful at the highest level they've got. It's exciting to be a youth football fan these days. You've got a great program, you've got everything. If I were a youth, I would just be bursting with pride. Got a lot of feedback on Mike, Mike Gundy saying people view BYU as a Power 5 team. Coast to coast? That's what he said. Jacob says if Kansas and Arizona are considered P5 teams, why not BYU? Because they're in P5 leagues and BYU is not. It doesn't Although, matter. It does matter. It does not it matter. Matters it matters a lot. Go, go tell Sataki it matters. It doesn't matter at all. It does matter. No, it doesn't. A hundred percent, it matters. No, it does not. And when they get in the Big Twelve, assuming that happens, and we think it's going to, but it's not done until it's done. But assuming that happens, we're going to hear how they got a boost from recruiting. I think that's regionally. I don't necessarily think it's Power Five, but I'm not willing to say a hundred percent. So I'm I'm agreeing with you to a good extent, but I also think it's regional. Because we don't know if they're going to be viewed as Power Five, but who cares? Well, I shouldn't say that's that's wrong. We do care, we but do it's still the right move, even if somebody it, decertifies them. That's and true. Screw you, whoever and decertif- I, decertifies I, them. And I agree with all of that. But the difference between what Mike Gundy said, and he was very on point when he said it, even though it's a point that we don't necessarily want to hear. It's true. Viewing people view BYU as a power five. It's not the same thing as being Power 5. Getting across that line matters a lot. And the fact that they were viewed that way and that they weren't in, so frustrating. The thing that just drives people nuts about college football. It can be so elitist and arbitrary. You're in and you're not. Yeah, but even if you're in, you're still not in. There's only really a few programs who are in, and you're not at that level. Utah's not at that level. Agreed. But it's a big step up to get across the line that we think BYU is about to get across that Utah did get across. It made a big difference to Utah. That remains it has to be made seen a big difference. because I think that BYU is making a less of a jump than, B- than Utah made. Well, that could be true. And it may go back to your point about whether this conference is decertified. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think if people are going to talk like it's going to happen. But I think that eventually we're going to end up with that 12-team playoff. And with six conference, I think that the six top, six highest ranked conference champs get in, 
if there if there's that kind of rule in there, then that opens it up to a lot of people. And if BYU goes forty years without getting in, what the crap difference does it make? Well, that'll be somebody else's issue because forty years from now, you you and I aren't going to be caring. All right, DJ and PK. There you go. Dylan Colley will be the promo. He says BYU is going to do it. Right now, time to bring in Andrew Reinhardt from the Wasatch Medical Clinic. Guys have been struggling with ED. And Andrew, you've been on before to tell them we can help you with this issue, but guys are still hesitant. Yeah, they generally are a little bit hesitant. Maybe they're in denial, too. That's some of it. Uh, As a man, we want to be able to function like we should. There are a lot of guys lacking, though, that are taking the pill or maybe have just accepted this as the new normal. And you don't have to live with ED. You don't have to take the pills. The technology at Wasatch Medical, backed by 50 studies, it's been called the new standard of care for erectile dysfunction. With pulsating pressure waves, it opens up and regrows the blood vessels. More blood flow where you want it, when you want it. And it has been so fun to watch patients get off the pill improve their relationship with the significant other and uh, overall happiness in my opinion as well as always you've got a special offer for the listeners what are you offering up today yep call us now guys if you're struggling with ed and want to treat the root cause you'll meet with our doctor free he'll do an assessment and blood flow ultrasound Uh, you can leave your wallet at home there's no cost Lastly, you get that gift, very popular, that produces powerful results in the bedroom. It's all totally free. Guys, if you want to put a stop to your ED, call Wasatch Medical right now at 801-901-8000. That's 801-901-8000. Andrew's standing by at 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, guys.